0: Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Dom.
1: And I'm Simon.
0: And on this episode we are diving into... The The Mighty Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Wow. So welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. So it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard and move on upstairs... To settle in, as tonight's move for, for debate is The Mighty Ducks. Today is a really special podcast because we're actually joined by one of the cast members of the film. So Matt Doherty is actually joining us on this podcast. So we're both super excited, Simon more so than ever, because he's such a massive super fan. Uh, and me because I get to talk to someone who's actually in the film and also quite a big fan of the film. So really looking forward to having him, him on. So here we go to discuss The Mighty Ducks with a mighty duck, Matt Doherty.
1: How, how are
2: you, Matt? I'm pretty good considering the whole world's uh, pitched on the end of, uh, of uh, craziness and uncertainty. How about yourselves?
1: We're okay, we're surviving here in the UK. I don't think it has hit quite as hard here as it has in some other places in Europe. How, how is it there? I'm assuming you're in California.
2: Yeah, I just got back from, um, I was doing a, like a appearance, a promotional thing in Minnesota and then I was in Chicago visiting my family, and then I just got back to LA yesterday.
1: Very nice. Well, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. This is the first time we've ever had a guest uh, on our podcast so before we go into the film we'll just go into talking a little bit about you if that's okay and about what you know what you've been up to and sort of your uh, career to date and then we can talk a bit about like your music and all of that stuff uh, which we love to hear about and then we'll go into talking about the film what we remember about it um, and then sort of go through it Sort of scene by scene, spending more time on some scenes and sort of skipping over some of the other ones, and just love to hear your insight and you know anything you sort of have to say about it. Really,
2: well, do you have a security clearance for that or no? I mean, I, I'm not sure if one needs that, but because the the mouse the mouse may knock down your door, you know.
1: That's that's true.
2: <laughs> Mickey's
0: gonna come knocking.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's proprietary uh, duck knowledge. So uh, (laughs) also run through this brain of mine that's, you know, uh, just doesn't remember what I had for breakfast. So it's great. When in doubt, I'll I'll just make up shit. How about that? That's that's perfect. That's that's how
1: we get through life. So that sounds great. (laughs) So to start with, thank you for joining us, Matt. This is what I know about you from online research and from listening to you on other podcasts sort of doing more of a straightforward sort of interview setup and you've been on quite a quite a few podcasts so I don't really want to tread over too much you know ground that you've already been on but what I have found out is that I'm
2: I'm, I'm very big in very small circles
1: (laughs) you were down to the final four kids when uh, auditioning for Kevin McAllister in Home Alone yeah that's true which is awesome. Uh, You still got a a small part in Home Alone as Stefan, and I found you on the Blu-ray at 46 minutes and 28 seconds.
2: In the blue sweater, in the blue polo sweater that you could probably clean dishes with because it's got like a bit of a, like a Brillo pad to it, you
1: know? Yeah. (laughs) I saw you and I thought, I'm just like looking at an old friend from across the room and there you were under the Christmas tree.
2: Yeah, that was my introductory to, into film was uh was being almost cut out and somehow in the movie and through some loophole uh yeah and uh it was this mix of excitement and disappointment all at once it was great
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i saw uh on the on the dvd blu-ray there was a deleted scene what had you in as well in, in the airport
2: yeah which i just found out about yeah
1: which is awesome and actually a really good scene. It's a, it's a shame they didn't put that in the movie.
2: I can understand why they wanted to stay in uh, with Kevin. Uh, so I think that's the whole, um, when they tested the movie, they were like, the movie is with Home Alone, you know? And 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 the criminals and Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: You at some point when you are about 15 dated Anna Klumsky, the girl from My Girl
2: that's a bit of an exaggeration. And, uh, I would say maybe fake news in our climate. Uh, I would say we, we were, uh, we were longtime friends when we were kids because we would often, um, I wouldn't say we even knew what dating was, but, uh, uh, we did a bunch of commercials together when we were little in our, uh, uh, like our moms were really good friends so that might be the real truth but the truth is is like yeah we were I mean literally my first commercial was with her which is always a strange weird fact and there was also this strange thing where like my next like about a block of where I grew up Jason Weaver lived who was the um, uh, voice of the Lion King he did the songs so this strange Chicago weirdness that like there were so many people that ended up with some really great fortune that we were all crossing paths
1: together when we were very little. Jason Weaver, of course, was in Smart Guy. Marcus in Smart Guy.
2: Yeah, and he was uh, – I just remember he lived, like, a block and a half away and had, a like, a – he had the basketball net in the neighborhood that we'd all go play at. Yeah, and he was the, He was like, yeah, I guess I got this movie in, in Lion King. And he was, like, a block away. It was crazy. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anna Klumski was, uh, was a mermaid in a little, Long John Silver's commercial that uh, I was – it was my very first job that I got my union card with. And then we did uh, maybe three or four other commercials together. And she was out doing My Girl and I was doing Ducks. And then I, um, I was up for My Girl too, and which would have been really fun, but it didn't happen.
0: Because we know McCauley Culkin obviously didn't make it to My Girl too, so it would have been brilliant. No, I think music. I think he
2: had that bee sting, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the whole death thing.
2: <laughs> Thwarted again by the Culkins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I also have here that you originally in in the Ducks auditioned for Fulton Reed's uh, character before being cast as Dave slash Lester Averman. Is that right, Simon?
2: You 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 got your you got your uh, you got your deep dive research ready. Uh, yeah, that that is a that is a true statement. Yeah, I I also think I may have auditioned for another part. They were just hand, They just didn't know there were so many of us. But I know that Fulton was one of them, which is ridiculous because he's supposed to be the big dude. and I'm not the big dude I'm many things but I'm not the big
1: dude would it make you feel strange if you knew that I was actually sat here right now in Fulton Reed's actual uh Team USA tracksuit from D2 would that make you feel a little bit strange
2: I mean if you were pantless and wearing high heels it might be a little weird but like that's uh that's fine with me (laughs)
0: I mean, it makes me feel strange. I've got to sit next to him. So
2: I totally remember that. I mean, that, those things were ridiculous. I, they had like stars on the sleeves, right? And they got stripes, right? Is that right? That's
1: all right. It's yeah. Hard.
2: You kind of, you kind of feel like a Russian gangster in it. Totally.
1: <laughs> and that's how I want to feel every day. Yeah. So that's
2: that's the sweet spot.
1: <laughs> you were also in the Mike Myers movie, so I married an axe murderer, which is an awesome credit to have.
2: Yeah, that was uh that was an experience.
1: That's for sure. That was um
2: I don't think a scene ever took longer to shoot. So uh I mean, it was like I mean, <laughs> like weeks. <laughs> yeah, that was um that was a trip. Back got to be in San Francisco and which is an amazing city to shoot in. Um and I mean that movie's a cult classic. I mean, you talk about legends of comedy, right? Alan Arkin, Phil Hartman. Uh I mean just these are just legends so it's uh to be in that film you know brenda fricker who had just won an an academy award and to hang out with her um and like all i remember was that anthony opavia and who was uh and um brenda fricker were both very you know serious actors neither one of them could get through a take without laughing because mike myers was just so ridiculous and then and then i would start giggling so it was like being in like church as a kid or something where you like the giggles were just were contagious so it took us like two weeks to shoot that scene <laughs> so it's ridiculous
1: yeah would i be right in saying so in your uh, current incarnation you are a writer actor creator and musician involved with theater work and you released your debut album dignity at the end of 2018
2: which is a blend of sort of blues and country yeah that's right yeah and then i'm I'm playing with a band i used to play we used to play in the jug band with for years and we're uh we're in the studio right now we're called the middle class um we would start off our our concerts and we would say we're the middle class or what's left of it because there's three of us and one guy plays plays pots and pans with the spoons and uh so we're we're back in the uh studio recording and uh so that, that's an accurate statement. Then I also I also teach and facilitate um, like writing groups um, and try to do that for professionals and then as well as like uh, in residential treatment facilities and for people who are recovering from drug addiction and alcoholism and stuff like that. So I also work in that field. Oh
1: wow, that's that's really cool.
2: Yeah, I made I made a decision a few years ago that I, as an artist, you you kind of got to find things to do in between gigs, and I was trying to find something that. Um, was of benefit to others and that i wasn't like natural and at and so that's kind of somehow what i stumbled into
1: oh that's very cool and the I, I listened to the album and i'm not just saying it because we're talking uh, it's really really good um i particularly oh, thank you, man. like um mr Seeger. that's my favorite i like jericho um there it's a really really nice album it's sort of Quite easy listening to, I was listening to it while walking my dog, and I was having a good time. So I'd highly recommend it.
2: I'm glad I could help your dog shit.
1: <laughs> which, which could lead us into some Mighty Ducks scenes in a minute.
2: Oh, that's a good one, because we could put it in the purse, right? Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> exactly that. So what is, is this the first of like many albums that you're hoping to do, or how did you get into music?
2: Oh, I've been... I've been playing music since uh on the set of Ducks 2 and um um my brother was a is a uh, tremendous musician and uh, he taught me a few things and and then um uh, and then yeah over the years I just I think I I think I did like many years ago I just was when you when you grow up in in Hollywood and I mean and do this stuff it's like after a while you just want to keep doing creative things so I just you know I got into playing music I mean, there's an old joke that you know my friends who are musicians all want to be actors and my friends that are actors all want to be musicians <laughs> and they intersect in as a in the biker band and as bikers on um on uh, uh son of sons of anarchy <laughs> that's like the strange intersection point <laughs> like a lot of my friends who are musicians they're all actors and they all end up as extras on uh, sons of anarchy and then my friends who are who are actors and wanna be musicians end up in like Motley crew cover bands. So it's like this uh, strange phenomenon.
1: When <laughs> we go forward, just so that people know, where can they download and access your music? I'm assuming Apple Music, that's where I got it, but Spotify is on all of the platforms? Uh,
2: I guess cassette, cassette tapes are coming back. <laughs> 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 no, it's actually true where all the hipsters are, you know. I don't know where the London version of it is, but over here in Silver Lake now, like uh, In L.A., they have, like, that's the thing. People are actually releasing cassette takes willingly. So it's really fascinating. Um, You can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, all those streaming places. Uh, My website, which is uh, my name, net, has a little link to everything. Um, And then I always ask that, you know, with the cuts on Spotify, if, like, all that stuff is out there, I put it out for free. But if you like something, then, you know, download a song, and then that helps uh, artists everywhere, you know what I mean?
1: For sure, for sure. Dom, before re-watching The Mighty Ducks 1, D1, what do you remember about this movie? Well, I remember... Uh, I, I remembered a fair bit, I
0: think. I remembered, obviously, Lester Averman. What a great character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remembered uh, Emilia Esteves being in it. I remember... Quack, 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 quack. Gotta get the W. Oh, there you go. A lot of ice hockey. Just like, loads of little like, bits like that. I remember you liking it so much that we'd we'd watched it quite a lot when we were younger at your house, and to the point where we even started to play hockey. But
2: whoa, you guys played hockey in England?
0: But we didn't play ice hockey. Okay, we played we 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 uh, manipulated the rules a little bit um, in that we played in Simon's back garden, so like backyard, and we played with like normal field hockey. Uh, or I had a normal field hockey stick and you had an ice hockey stick and we would play ice hockey rules in his back garden on, so on grass on grass so we would end up battering each other in his back garden over a over a ball because
1: the puck obviously wouldn't move but
0: that that's that's my fondest memory of it I think. <laughs> what about
1: yourself well uh, i remember well these films are absolutely massive to me uh, d2 was my was my major jam <laughs> if i'm being completely honest but d1 was important as well i remember seeing the dog poo scene at my uh, childminder's house which childminder is what we call like a babysitter yep and um i remember seeing that section and then having to go home and being really upset that like i wasn't able to watch the full movie i was probably about six at this point five or six with we're, thirty we're 32 now so <laughs> maybe I, I can't do the maths but old enough and then i remember obviously getting it at home uh, and my dad sort of mom and dad getting the video and whatever and just absolutely loving this film, all three of them. And as Dom said, I, I tried to learn how to rollerblade uh, on the concrete, which rollerblading is not particularly very popular here in like the rain that we have for like nine <laughs> months a year.
2: Yeah, yeah, rain and rollerblading is a great combo.
1: <laughs> and then I actually had ice skating lessons uh, to try and learn to, to be able to play ice hockey, but there is no ice hockey here, like in the UK, like hardly any at all anyway. Then I had this memory the other day, or yesterday, as I was thinking about this podcast, and I have kind of a sad memory, but maybe we'll find the humour in it so I can laugh through the pain. <laughs> but I remember going to secondary school, which is what we call high school. The, secondary, the high school I've gone to, I didn't really know anyone there. We'd gone from this really nice, sort of quaint little village uh, elementary school, and I was sort of shipped away to this other high school, away from all of my friends, and was a little bit lost and a little bit sad. And I was in PE, which like our physical education, and I'm sat in I'm in line to do running or whatever, and I look across and I see this kid and I for some reason in my head think, oh that's Charlie Conway. Like as in I don't think like that's the actor, Joshua Jackson, and somehow he's magically in my school in the UK. I actually thought, oh my god, that's Charlie Conway, and he's come here to be my friend. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I, so I, without thinking too much into it, I look at him and say, Charlie, like expecting him to be like, <laughs> expecting him to be like, Simon, I'm here. The whole ducks are here. Averman's here. Fulton's here. We're here to be your friends. <laughs> and uh, and so I say, I say, Charlie. And he goes, what? <laughs> And then I just sort of retreat back into the shadows, realising what I'd done and that I said this externally. And um, he wasn't Charlie Conway. And the ducks weren't there at my school. And, and that's the end of that story. How is that? Can we laugh at it or no? Is it too, still too raw? I
2: think, it's, I think it's still under the statute of limitations.
1: So uh, uh, the... Uh...
2: Hang
1: on, hang on, hang on. Sorry,
0: you were, you were a real life... Adam Banks
1: I I actually think I was sort of doing a fight club Tyler Durden situation (laughs) but I think that uh, I guess it goes to show how much these films sort of meant to me because I would go home and like watch watch these films and it'd be like escapism Um, I mean you don't need to feel sorry for me like I was okay the rest of my life but just you know everyone has these periods that are a little bit difficult and uh, high school was maybe that for me Matt What do you remember about the Mighty Ducks?
2: Well, I remember being, uh, moving to England and uh, going to the school.
1: (laughs) I knew you were there, I knew it.
2: And like, and this one bloke who uh, kept using the phrase child uh, minder, which made me very confused, uh, 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 said, uh, I reminded him of Charlie, which pushed all my buttons because Charlie was the popular kid. And I was like, dang, man, he thinks I'm the popular kid and I'm not. No, I, uh, um, I was just listening to the, your story about that. I think that actually strikes to the heart of why these movies still um, matter is because I think it does, uh, you know, especially around that age when, when we're like, not quite adults, not quite teenagers, not quite little kids. And, And I think that's, you know, that was the sweet spot where, you know, it's where you don't know if you're playing with toys or you don't know if you should go, you're just, your voice is changed. It's just like like that that time, you know what I mean? And uh, um, I think that that's a really vulnerable time for us as as we're growing up, which is why like um, there's so many great movies and books and and things that are around that time. Uh, I wish there were more, you know, I think that those are like today. You know, I uh, I was talking with somebody who was involved in, in the making of the movie who I'll have remained nameless. I asked, uh, I was trying to pitch, um, you know, a coming of age story. And he was like, I, you know, I wish we could make this, but we can't even make this right now. It would cost too much money and this and that. And like, and it made, we both kind of mourned the fact that like, uh, it would be really impossible to make a movie like that today. And, uh, and that made, you know, that, and the demand for it. And you're just saying like why it's so personal important. I can't tell you how many times I've heard things like this where, where people we all identify as members of the team, you know, or uh, being an underdog, being an outsider. And I think that that's, um, there's a reason why I still a couple of times a year, fly to different towns across the world and meet people that this mattered to them. So I, uh, and I don't take that like lightly, even though we all make fun and we make jokes. It's like, that's a pretty, that's a that says something, you know? So, um, but what I remember was I just, we didn't know we were making the Mighty Ducks. I mean, geez, I just was glad to be on a movie set. Um, I had never really been on one for more than a couple of days. Uh, my dad had just lost his job and my mom was about to lose hers. So it was a really trying time uh, personally. Um, so it was a really like a weird time where my dad had been downsized, corp- a corporate downsizing in America. And, um, and he was kind of victim of that, uh, and, or just cause it was that time and every 20 years or so it happens in America. And, uh, but what a strange experience that was to be on a movie set, but still like, uh. Like I remember, my dad would give me an allowance because I had no real concept of like <laughs> I just didn't know. I was like, he's like, I'm gonna give you your allowance, you know. And I, uh, um, and we'd go to school a couple hours a day, and the best part was the hockey camp. Um, and I remember, uh, like I'd never really been good at a sport before, and I'd always wanted to be good at a sport. And our coach who trained us, Jack White, you know, really trained us and and kind of gave the confidence to for the first time in my life, I felt like this, you know, you know, I was this tiny little, you know, somewhat chubby kid sometimes. And uh, so it was like, I felt like good at a sport. And uh, that was a really powerful thing when you're 14, 15 years old and you're at that vulnerable point in your life. So that's what I remember. I remember. And then, and then afterwards we find out we made this, you know, movie that was like this huge movie. I mean, I don't think anybody knew it. And then all of a sudden, they release it. They found this secret weekend in October or whenever it was, and and then uh, word of mouth spread, and it became a thing, and and uh, enough for Disney to want to change a sport. I mean, that's that's ridiculous to think that like what we did um, made hockey um, what it is in a lot of ways. You know, it's a it's now a sport where like not just used to be able to smoke in the back of a of a hockey game. You know. And then Disney gets involved, and it becomes this uh, this thing where families go and all that stuff. And uh, and I also know that the Mighty Ducks around the country and, and also help play roles with teams doing um, outreach and making the sport more affordable for because it's an expensive sport, you know. So I think that um, all of those things contributed to like these amazing things. And but we didn't know it. I mean, I just was like, I'm going to Minnesota, and it's cold. And I'm from Chicago, and it's cold there. And uh, and then like we uh, we get out on the ice on day one, and we all lied to get the part. And the guy says to us, uh, the coach coaching us, I didn't know him. His name was who ended up being a big influence in my life, Jack White, and and he told us that we would be skating around the rink backwards in an hour, and we're like, no way, and and then we were, and it was like that feeling that like, uh, um, which was just like the movie, and I think that's what makes so. Um, so special you know because the making of it actually mirrored what the message of the film was
0: and did you feel did you feel like a team like when you were at this training camp and, and learning to skate with these guys you, you felt like part of a team
2: yeah i mean that's the thing that that's why like i mean we're all friends today and like when we do see each other it's like uh that all started because it's like you're it's the it's like oh like playing uh dom and uh simon you guys are in the back playing hockey and it's the same thing you're we were talking about it today, so.
1: Well, that's awesome and completely. You, uh, the Mighty Ducks films, did sort of transform the sport in terms of you've got British kids trying to play it on grass, <laughs> you know, across the world. So.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, just that. Uh, just one other thing, I just wanted to quickly add uh, for context that uh, Matt, you and I actually started uh, communicating about a year ago. Yes, we did. We met on the underground black market of Mighty Ducks. Screen used and production used jerseys to sort of celebrate the the nostalgia and the the great impact and how much I love these films. I bought your jersey from the Mighty Ducks two uh, at the end when you change the jerseys, you know, to the new Mighty Ducks logo, and uh, it came with a certificate of authenticity, etc. But I wanted to try and get it authenticated by you, and you were very kind and gracious in. Helping me with that over email, and we were checking the inside of like stitching and all kinds of things. Um, but it was an amazing way to yeah. be able to meet you, and you were incredibly uh, kind with your time. Yeah, and it's great to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I asked if there was I asked if there was blood all over it. And that would be the time. <laughs> I mean.
1: Well, I have, uh, hope you'll be proud to know that it is framed in my house. Uh, I'm not quite sure how my wife feels about it, but it's there. <laughs>
2: Oh, excellent. Are are there grass stains from playing field hockey in it, is the question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, but but maybe in summer. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for all of that. We'll move over to Dom, who will tell us uh, some trivia about the film and what he digged up on his deep dive, and then we'll move in to this classic. Okay, so The Mighty Ducks is obviously a huge Disney production.
0: It was released in October 1992. So we would have been five when it was released. So sorry if that makes you feel a little bit older, but you're only a little bit older, so it's fine.
2: It's another century. Let's just call it that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um,
0: It's IMDb score. So we play a little game. Would anyone, uh, so let's say, Matt, if you'd like to guess the IMDb score.
2: The IMDb score of the film? Yeah. Like what's its ranking? Yeah, the the
0: rating, yeah. Oh, the rating.
2: Out of 10, I would say 7.5
0: close
1: it's 6.5 i would
2: have rated it a lot higher it's at 6.5 well they should they should get out of their bubble
1: absolutely (laughs) i think some people are delusional and they're hating (laughs) i reckon that's all people that love the little giants that are trying to to get a rivalry (laughs) going yeah Uh,
2: there's some ladybug it's them sandlot people again man i'm telling
1: you (laughs) yeah
2: Or it's those it's those uh, media farms in like countries where you have people like spam botting and clicking on things.
1: (laughs) It's a conspiracy. That's for
2: sure.
0: Definitely. But out out of all the films that we've covered so far, this one is the one I don't agree with the rating. I think so far. Definitely don't agree with it. Excellent. Um, Rotten Tomatoes as well has given it only 23 percent, which is just shocking. That's garbage
1: wow they are they are rotten tomatoes
0: considering considering uh, you know the, the the people that wrote it the directors and the talent within the film it it's just
2: it's just ludicrous well i mean uh yeah we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start a revolution on that one i mean i know let's get our priorities straight the world's in a really tough spot right now <laughs> you No. Know, uh we're facing economic collapse and pandemic, but like Rotten Tomatoes really needs to get their shit in order, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: definitely think we could get that trending. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the writer of the film was uh, Stephen Brill, who co-wrote Little Nicky and directed Mr. Deeds uh, and has a cameo in all three films. Do you remember him being in the film?
2: oh yeah for sure he plays the lawyer that that puts um uh gordon in jail and uh he's in he's in a little part in all of them yeah yeah and steve steve was i i think just like you know like a lot of us like a struggling you know actor between gigs just scribbling stuff out doing comedy and and then he made this uh he made this script and it was like this record-breaking time it got somehow to to jordan kerner's and john abnett's office and then within like I think they said nine months they were in production which is like unheard of um but I remember him and Peter Berg and Mark Maron all kind of mythically shared the same one bedroom apartment so which is kind of funny to think of the those three people are you know extremely talented and um they were all just kind of out of work and buds and uh yeah Steve and I remember meeting Steve with uh um, Adam Sandler at the set of ducks on uh, at the um premiere because him and adam i guess they were they knew each other from stand-up days i don't know i don't know what the whole root of their relationship is but they go way back and so that's why he's been working with um the happy madison company for years because they go way way back
1: a- adam Sandler is a huge hero of mine also. <laughs> he
2: was and he's just you know and he was uh they were there with elizabeth shue and i remember Ooh. meeting who was like a huge star at the time and i remember meeting uh, her at the ducks premiere and we were all crushing on Elizabeth Shue because <laughs> she was like uh, uh, Adventures in Babysitting and all
1: that, right? Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> I actually watched that the other day. That's for the first time. Um, yeah, that's brilliant.
2: And and I hear the original movie was called Bombay. So Ducks was originally called Bombay, uh, which on the script that I have, there's a it actually says that. And um,
0: oh, was that the was that the work that was the working title, wasn't it?
2: It was, but it was also the real original name because the original draft leaned more on gordon's like troubles and it was a little even darker so with like the mix of kids to it had a little bit more of that bandus bears um darkness to it and uh so they kind of lightened it up to, to to get that perfect umami
0: they sort of disneyfied it a little bit yeah because he's meant to be a, a bit of a drinker wasn't he and and have all these problems and yeah
2: and like that the idea of you know going back and giving away something you feel like you've lost and what a great message you know
0: Apparently, Stephen Burr wanted to play Coach Bombay as well, but was told by Disney that they wanted a bigger name, so hence why Emilio Estevez. Well, I, I, according to my sources, they wanted Charlie Sheen, and Charlie Sheen turned it down, so they picked Emilio Estevez instead. Oh,
2: I didn't know that. I always thought, like, maybe it's Harvey Keitel and Martin Sheen, you know, <laughs> for Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah. All I remember was, like, we were in hockey camp, and there, we were all rumor there were these rumors, like who it was going to be. And like, it was Keeper Sutherland it was this and that. And, mm-hmm. and like uh, at the time, Emilio Estevez was like one of the biggest names. And, but we, the first thing we all reacted to, and I confirmed this with the guys when I saw them recently was as soon as we heard Emilio Estevez, we immediately jumped to Paul Abdul. <laughs> we were like, that, <laughs> does that mean Paul is coming, man?
1: <laughs> did you did get to meet Poudreau Abdul?
2: Oh my God. I, I like, Hang out at the bagel machine or whatever they we could toast bagels at craft service like just to stand and toast a bagel next to her. It was like we were all everybody we were all like we were all crawling over each other just to like you know like stand and uh, next to her and all that. So yeah, she was she was there she was there a little while yeah. And so were Emilio's kids, which I think was the main thing of why he wanted to make the movie was he wanted to make a movie for his kids. Nice. Oh, very
0: cool. So the director was Stephen Herrick. Who's uh, other than the Mighty Ducks, of course. Most notable work is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, The Three Musketeers, and 101 Dalmatians. So he's quite a, a Disney favorite. Do you remember uh, how he was on set? Was it was he great to work for?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I had no context. I was <laughs> 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 like, uh, I mean, there was this dude in a hat who just told me what to do. It was great. It's like, okay, you know. just point and go. <laughs> yeah, I um. um yeah, he was great. Uh, I think anybody who can manage all of us kids and somehow not pull their hair out, and while we're all on ice um, in freezing Minnesota winter, deserves a medal of freedom. So yeah,
0: <laughs> excellent. So the the film cost fourteen million dollars to make. I assume you got thirteen of those millions.
2: Yeah, I I put I demanded I demanded like thirteen fourteenths of the budget. Excellent. <laughs>
1: Well, they (laughs) saw your five seconds in Home Alone and they knew they needed you, right?
2: Yeah, I said I'd bring my blue sweater.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This is the kid. (laughs) we need it. Uh, And then at the
0: box office, it made uh, 50.8 million, so just over 50 million, uh, which is really good because I find it really hard to find Disney financials. I think they're they're blocking me. Like you said, the mouse is coming for me now. Um, So it's quite nice to actually find uh, some money on a a film that, that they've, produced uh what's also quite interesting is that after the film was released quite possibly unbeknown to uh nhl uh novices like myself they actually created a a hockey team called the mighty ducks of anaheim which is very cool i think they're just called the ducks of anaheim now because disney disney actually paid for everything and like made the team because of the film uh, they were like a big success, and now they have like huge NHL
2: team. Uh, yes, they are, and I have uh, I remember skating on that rink before they opened it up. Yeah.
1: Am, am I right in saying that the first event they held at that rink was filming for D two for like the final game there?
2: That's that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. While they did have a game in the garden. Uh, they they didn't have the ice down, so they put grass down and they let people play this this mashup of field hockey, and floor hockey, uh, but that's not very publicized.
1: I think there's same a, rules, same rules. I think I think we've got a business going. I think I think us three, you put your thirteen million in, me and Dom will put our expertise in, and I think we could take this all the way to the bank.
2: I mean, they, well, the only reason why they can't confirm it is because supposedly Charlie Conway was there, but no one knows if it was really ever that.
0: <laughs> an absolute travesty is that the film was only nominated for two awards, but sadly not Oscars. So uh, all, of, all of the... I don't know if, if you...
2: Yeah, the Rotten Tomato Award. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but all, all of the, uh, the young artists in it were, were nominated for an award. Did you know you were nominated?
2: Uh, I do remember this, that there was some kind of, uh, was it for MTV or Nickelodeon or something? What was it for? It was like...
0: Uh... Uh, well, I've just got the Young Artist Awards. And and it was an outstanding young ensemble cast in a motion picture, and all of you were nominated.
2: Yeah, we must have lost to one of those other films that lowered our uh, our rating, huh? Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, I, I, de- I definitely remember reading that somewhere. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's that's news to me though.
0: <laughs> well, you you have a a nomination that you can now put on your on your resume, like your LinkedIn profile, all of your profiles. Just just check it on there. Wikipedia needs updating.
2: Yeah, I'm a 42 year old man who is a uh, nominee for a young young a young award. <laughs> <laughs> get it, get it on
0: there,
2: get it on
0: there. <laughs> really? So looking into a bit more trivia about the film. Jake Gyllenhaal, who was unknown at the time, apparently auditioned for the role of Charlie Conway, but obviously didn't get it, but mainly because his parents were a bit upset that he uh, he had gone for it. They didn't want him to get this part.
2: That's right. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard that confirmed uh, on a couple of different sources. So I, I believe that is a true statement.
0: According to more sources, that some of the young actors, so yourself, all nominated, by the way, claimed that when you auditioned, not you personally, but you as a group, when you auditioned, you you all said you could play hockey and some of you couldn't.
2: Some, none of us, none of us could.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> but did you say you definitely could play?
2: Oh yeah, you you you're... Actors are trained from like birth to lie to get a job. So uh, <laughs> I, I remember saying I could ride a horse to get this like a commercial for Illinois Department of Tourism or something when I was a kid. And I ended up on a horse on a tiny little bridge going over a gorge that dropped down. It's a place called Starved Rock. And uh, it's like a, a state park in Illinois. And it's this huge drop of a waterfall. And, and there's like this little bridge and that's right that's where I learned to ride a horse was was getting, I, I should have known better yeah uh so yeah you you, you lie to get a job so I, and then <laughs> but they like knew we were lying so they like already built in the this hockey camp thing so
0: this is kind of okay We you know sure you can skate but we're, we're going to send you all the, yeah. to this bit of training anyway
2: yeah and then that's where we would go to school and then play hockey four hours a day yeah
0: And I have one last little bit of trivia, which is which is more of a question. Do you know what cake eater means? It's used quite a bit.
2: (laughs) A cake eater is a term for um, uh, for mostly people from Edina, Minnesota, or a similar suburb of like Minneapolis and St. Paul. That is like known to be I don't know traditionally affluent, and so you would say like a cake eater is like they eat cake, just like uh, you know I. what's her name in france uh, marie antoinette said let them eat cakes so like that if you really want to dive deep in the etymology of the word I, it probably has its sources there but it's all about uh, it's in the front like a like a class like a like a class thing you know like you're you're a cake eater which means you know you come from a diner, you're rich and you're not a member of our team like
0: the middle class
2: oh yeah the vanishing uh, middle and lower class
0: yeah
2: <laughs> do we want to dive deep is this the kind of podcast where we're going to get in the income divide <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, we won't go that far.
1: (laughs) Because
2: I'll go there, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so we will now dive in to the Mighty Ducks. So we open up with the prologue and we get Lane Smith, who is brilliant in this. um, And he's brilliant in everything I've seen him in. I loved him in My Cousin Vinny as well. And we get the classic the if you miss this shot, you are just letting me down and letting the whole team down too.
3: All right, Gordon. It's up to you. I don't want to see any goats around here after the game. You got it? Now, you missed this shot. You're not just letting me down. You're letting your whole team down, too.
1: Which is the the classic go-to villain coach. Did you get to work with Lane Smith at all?
2: I, I did, yeah. I got to know him uh, very well. He actually would hang out with my dad a lot. They got to be pretty tight. Um, and uh, Lane uh, originated a lot of great roles in the American theater and in the canon uh, so he's a like he's a legendary stage actor in uh, in America and uh, I got to know him later on in life when he was uh, sick too so I knew him as a, when I was an adult and uh, just a class guy uh, always through and through uh, he was a member of the Actors Studio which I'm a member of and so I remember running into him at the actor Studio as an adult and and uh and I forget that for him, probably Mighty Ducks was just a movie that he'd done amongst a hundred other movies. So I come up to him, but for me it was like a seminal thing because I was like, Hey, and he he didn't even remember who I was, but then I he kinda had that like look of oh yeah, yeah, and then he kinda figured it out. But uh he's a um you know, he's a just a legendary uh character actor. So um yeah.
1: He is a perfect antagonist in this Oh yeah. His he's great, his whole delivery, his demeanor. I'm sorry to say it but I think that the Hawks might have the better jerseys. I know that that's crazy to say, but the, his jacket, everything is super dope. Is that controversial, Matt? Have I just broken our new bond? Ah, man, I, uh,
2: I mean, it, it sounds like you just got a villainous streak, so uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> you know, tempered by your like, you know, British dialect, which makes everything sound a little like, you know, nicer, but still, I mean, you're a villain, you know? <laughs>
0: All, all villains in in u.s films are british or russian aren't they
2: yeah Sorry. or british and russian yeah 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 <laughs> The
0: word. well he's dressed like a british russian right now yeah.
2: so. i mean i i think what's really great is if you actually know the sport of hockey and you watch the way that shot happens and all of it it's just kind of laughable that's what my favorite part about it all is it's is like it's not really that good <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, that, you know
1: I actually have it written here that, like, there's so much pressure on young Gordon Bombay to make this penalty shot, but actually him missing just sends them to overtime.
2: Which probably turned that kid into some Bitcoin guy, right? He was the guy who invented Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Serious! The dude who played that part was the guy who got involved in all that, like, uh, weird, uh, like,
1: Wait, you being, you're being serious.
2: I'm being dead serious. I'm being. I'm not joking around. Yeah, you should do. Yeah, you should do some deep dive research there.
1: Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. So, young Bombay got involved in Bitcoin. And... Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Was one of the uh, was one of the uh, original faces of like uh, PR for the whole thing.
1: Wow. Yeah. So just imagine if that shot had gone a quarter inch to the left, there might be no Bitcoin. <laughs> the
2: the infamy of it all is, uh, I think, and I think you know he's a, he's an interesting uh, character. We'll say he was uh, in some in some press.
1: I just pointed to Dom because I have uh, I have his trading card up. We're in my office right now, up on the pinboard, as lo- as well as your trading card from Color Smith. Were you aware that you have a trading card?
2: I did not know this. Not the
1: whole team, just some of the select players have it. I'll I'll email you a picture afterwards. Oh,
2: you're going to have to send it. I have, I remember uh, somebody made like um, art versions of it at a Comic Con thing one time. And then somebody had kind of made their own, which was really cool. And I have a copy of those, but I can't imagine you having. That this is interesting. I'm curious what they are.
1: Yeah, they're really cool. It's like double sided, has like little facts about it. It has you written down as Lester Avon, so I don't know if that's a hundred percent confirming that the Dave I, I
2: date I went in the witness protection, and but I and so that's why they changed my name.
1: But <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll for sure send you um some pictures of that. So we move from this opening prologue and we've the The opening credits are very sort of like diehard, lethal weapon like. They're quite serious opening credits.
2: Yeah, and a score by Was it Thomas Newman? I believe. I think Thomas Newman did the score for this. One of the Newmans did. Yeah. Um. The uh. uh yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty serious.
1: The, the music throughout <laughs> the whole film is so good. Like I love. I love that it's being treated with this seriousness. And I think, like what you were saying earlier, the fact that it was originally a bit of like a darker film more of a drama kind of bleeds in even though that it's been like dom said disney-fied it still holds some of these darker tones which i think makes it more classic so to speak
2: oh yeah oh yeah i mean it's about fighting for the little man and the uh the underdog and the one who's not fixing and rigging the system and somehow finds a way to win it all because uh one of the teams got the measles
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, we've we've got that we'll come on to that
0: i mean there's still a nod to the original script because obviously coach bombay gets gets the dui so drinking and driving and and he's pulled over and that's that's what kicks it all off so i mean that that's kind of the the dark passage as it were
2: yeah he's like gone down the wrong path right he loses his dad you know he's uh super competitive he wants to win everything and uh And he's a, you think about this in the nineties, right? In the context of where we were as a society that everything was about like, you know, success, success, success. So it's like, it's a, it was a, it was a social commentary, I think.
1: For sure. We then move into Gordon in the courtroom being quite cocky. um, And as, as you said earlier with Steve Brill as his uh, opposition and Gordon is like finding loopholes and uh, is quite sort of condescending to Steve Brill's character, but I guess it's showing some of his sort of arrogance, I guess. And then we move to Gordon uh, back at his office, and he's talking to his PA Jenny, who for some reason is typing on a typewriter because why not? And uh, and we're introduced to Ducksworth, and then as Dom said, we get to Gordon with his drinking DUI, which had a great line, which I only just sort of registered more recently, where the police officer says, breath, blood, or urine? And Gordon says, no thanks, I'm full. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's driving his Corvette.
1: That's it. I, I'm assuming that these were days that, like, you and the other sort of ducks weren't on set, that they, these were filmed separately.
2: Yeah, we were probably all inside trying to stay warm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it then loops back round and we go back to the court, And it's the same judge and this time Steve Brill's character sort of gets the the upper hand and Gordon gets uh, sentenced to his community service. And we sort of get to Ducksworth saying that he wants Gordon to take a break and to learn about the value of of teamwork and sort of grounding him again.
2: And I always think that the guy who plays Ducksworth just kind of reminds me of the American version of Emperor Palpatine.
1: He, he's quite uh, memorable isn't he Ducksworth. he looks he looks wealthy you imagine him having a lot of money
2: yeah I mean you know I mean he might have been a cake eater
1: <laughs> certainly absolutely we move through to Gordon being driven in the back of a limo from um beardy from lost did you ever watch lost Matt the TV show
2: oh I do yeah yeah yeah
1: he's he's one of the others on lost and that was uh
2: Yes, yeah, uh, he's a great actor. He's also been in a ton of stuff too and uh, and is perfectly cast and in a really great role in the movie for sure.
1: Excellent, yeah, he's he's great. We then get the introduction to the ducks. This is where uh, we get some great dog poo commentary by Averman. Um, And in this section, I actually noticed that it's actually kind of shot like as if you are going to be... Sort of in the Charlie position, like it's kind of shot with you're in the center of the frame, and you're doing a lot of the. You have most of the lines in this section. I mean, do you, do you remember shooting this this scene?
2: Yeah, and then I think they discovered that I just couldn't carry the movie, so they gave it all to Charlie. I
1: think after that,
2: <laughs> it's their prejudice. It's their prejudice against against guys with glasses, even though those were fake glasses. Even though this is funny because I wear real glasses, but those were fake glasses. That's that's Hollywood. I remember that was like my first day on set um, the first few days and uh, so our introduction to like making movies was like was like an obstacle course and a stunt man and like you know all this amazing stuff and a gag and us having fun I mean it was like I was like if this is making movies I'm in so that that that's what I remember about that sequence
1: nice Uh, i actually think i didn't check this but it sounded like it actually had uh some of the music from home alone in like the sort of sped up bit and i thought well if that's true that's a great little tie back to to you
2: (laughs) yeah maybe they maybe they were like trying to get some uh uh, some yeah trying to get some of that uh i don't know i don't know yeah i I definitely it kind of sounds like it's an old classical song of some type that's it
1: yeah and then we get the the scene of the limo driving onto the lake and being introduced to the rest of the team, one of which is uh, Jussie Smollett, who obviously was incredibly sort of in the news, etc. last year. When
2: he went to Subway. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I remember I remember that um, that wasn't really a lake. It was a park where they filled out like an inch of water and um, like made it like, you know, in the Midwest, you would do that like where you, you just put like a little bit of water down, and it kind of has this like fake
1: lake of feel, and that's what they did. So it wasn't really a lake, just FYI. Ah, oh, cool. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, good tidbit there. We then have this great sequence where Jesse is thinking that Bombay is a drug dealer, and which is quite heavy for a Disney film. And he's saying that uh, he's going to use his eyeballs as hockey pucks, and then he thinks that Gordon Bombay is packing heat.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, he's like this crime boss that's showing up. It's funny. I remember like that was our introduction to like making, we kind of shot a little of the movie in order. And I remember when we did that sequence, it was record breaking cold. And um, the camera was freezing. And I think we were all realizing, Oh, what are we really in for, for shooting a movie in Minnesota? Like literally the camera was like frozen. And um, so like, uh, and then, you know, we're all like kids going, we're on a movie set and the adults are all like oh my god we're gonna they're gonna shut us down they're gonna shut us down oh this is a lot of money oh and we're like hey cool let's skate around Uh (laughs) you know know? (laughs) so uh uh it was a that's and so that i just remember that scene being a lot of fun because of all the different you know we were all there and we got to rock the limo and that's the infamous goldberg uh, the goalie uh you know uh farting and they i mean it's just it's everything about that scene is just perfect
0: go (laughs) burn
1: you get a lot of dialogue in in these scenes with like by the way we really suck and then bombay says i'll decide who sucks around here to to my adult mind (laughs) that sounded a bit more questionable yep yep and then you are credited at this point or uh, as dave averman do you ever remember it being discussed that your name would later change to lester or is that just you know like a continuity error or something like
2: I, like i said i think it's because they put me in the witness protection program no i um uh i i my assumption and this is only an assumption is that um there were clearances that were made because every time they make a movie they have to clear a name and sometimes if there's somebody who's actually in like each production company or studio will clear every reference, everything on frame, just to see, they wanna make sure they don't get sued. Um, and there might've been a Dave or a Les Averman or whatever in that particular town that didn't want, uh, that they had to track down and didn't want that information or his name or that. So that sometimes that's what happens.
1: Nice. This is where the, the team starts a scrimmage, and then you're doing the commentary over the top of it, and I believe, I don't know if it was the same in the US as it was in the UK, but I believe these are parts that are actually used in the trailer, because if you remember, like, back in the day with the VHS tape, for, like other movies, uh, I always remember the ducks being, uh, the trade of the ducks being on there, so I could sort of remember the, the trailer over and over again, and you we're in it a lot especially the the line as well of do you enjoy losing and you know or not at first once we get the hang of it like that is classic and i remember that being in the trailer like do you remember being like happy to have been featured that much in the promotion
2: uh no i think i just remember being happy that i managed to spit the line out and not puke i think (laughs) as well Just on Uh, Amelia's shoes, or 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 totally freeze with that, like, and somehow like go, like every every actor has that terror because like terror of filmmaking is something's gonna get effed up, and I just hope it's not me, you know, and like you know there's like there is a little bit of that whenever you make movies, and, and so I I if I really got honest with you, I'd be like I'm just really glad I got. You have that like uh, okay, we got through it. There's there's cold. They're losing. My, okay, okay, we let's, let's just let's just get it done. And then uh, and you just hope to God it's it's uh uh it's somewhat funny. <laughs> that's that's what I remember.
1: <laughs> well, you definitely succeeded with that. Uh, this part, Charlie's mum, who. I have through all of my notes Charlie's mum, but I think her name is Casey, isn't it? I I think Mm -hmm. she's in the film. But she comes in and sort of ruins the fun. And then we move to the first D5, District 5 versus the Hawks game. And it's very, the Hawks are very military like, doing their sort of chants and.
0: one two
1: three yeah one two three (laughs) slides did they particularly on purpose make make like the hawks kids like the actors did they try and make sure that they were better skaters and that sort of stuff from the beginning to try and give that disparity
2: well i mean it wouldn't take much to be better than us at that point but uh, (laughs) i mean uh, they were yeah they had huge hockey auditions and they had the pick of the litter of People in Minnesota, because obviously it's a big deal in Minnesota. Um, And uh, so like they, I remember they had hundreds and hundreds of people show up to, to be members of the different teams. And the idea was they wanted to get um, people who played junior A hockey in in Canada and college hockey and were just like 18, because then you can work them longer, right? Because if you're under 18, you can only work a few hours. And so they wanted people who were like 18 years old, but not too old looking. And then um, and then so they were they were bigger, you know, so everybody was way bigger than us, too. And uh, so that was uh, to quote Averman and Ducks, too. They were bigger, they're faster and they had more facial hair. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, love, I love that. So Gordon, then, before the game starts, catches up with Riley. And there's just some great uh, exposition tied in here and some really great line delivery. Things like, I wish they'd take that one down and we see the banners and there's just the one there that is like the runner-up. Yeah, I think it's like great writing, little subtle jabs.
2: It's, it's it's like public shaming at its best. Yeah, totally.
1: I love the line where Bombay says something like, you know, have you got any, who's your hotshot player this year? And he and Riley says, "Oh, we've got this kid, Banks, that might go all the way. He's not quite as good as you, but he wants it more." It's like that last little line is like, "Oh, <laughs> nice little jab to the, to the chest," because he's saying it to his face. Yeah, that's
2: um, yeah, that's uh, nothing says love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we then cut back to the prologue just to have a little reminder of the trauma that this little Bitcoin kid went through. <laughs> we then get to Bombay trying to get the District Five team to copy the win chant: win, 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 win. And then uh, they're going on sort of getting like destroyed by the Hawks.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's 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 an embarrassment. <laughs> it's. Yeah, we're uh, we're like the the Polish cavalry uh, in World War II. It's not good, you know.
0: <laughs> just get
2: rid of And well, actually, if you really, it's really interesting because like it, you really think about it, there's like some serious child endangerment going on. I mean, Goldberg's got like newspaper <laughs> tied to his legs. There's like a we kind of have this Mad Max like uh, a man, like if you really pay attention to what we're wearing, there's like almost like a road like what's that the, um, the Mad Max road road warrior thing. We just um, you know, there's football helmets, there's, a sh- you know, it's, it's just not good. We're not, we shouldn't be out there playing, playing a high contact sport, you know, so it's, it's not good. It, the fact that,
1: yeah. You're like survivors from a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> playing ice hockey.
2: <laughs> yeah, but somehow, yeah, still playing hockey,
1: yeah. There,
2: there's
0: a line uh, in this scene that I'm not, I'm not sure where we'd get away with. These days as as much as uh, we we would in the early 90s, where three players from each team face up and McGill from the Hawks. Oh, the Oriole line. (laughs) The Oriole line. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which absolutely. I I had blanked that one out throughout my entire childhood. And then watching it back recently, I was like, oh, my God, can we can we get away with this? I don't know. Clearly you did. But um, now I, I think I think we'd struggle with that one.
2: Yeah, that that would not fly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Were you like aware of that that was what it was at the time? Or was you just sort of knew that that was like an insult?
2: Uh, I mean, I thought, I mean, yeah, it's an insult. I mean, uh, I think that was uh, definitely meant to be racist. So I think that was the intent, you know, that the villains would do that. Uh, But you're right, that would not fly today. But actually, in the context, I think while they were shooting that, I was just chasing after Paul Abdul. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not on set. I'm not. They don't want me. I'm not playing. And I can't play hockey. I mean, that's literally like I'm trying to stay in the context. Like, you got to remember your kid and yeah, like, the bagel machine. Right? We were <laughs> such a distraction. They're shooting a scene, yet we're trying at the other end of the rink because it's free ice time to play hockey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? and if you're not playing hockey, you're trying to get some jam on a bagel and time your time your bagel hunt to look like nonchalantly like i'm gonna get a bagel and paul abdul's
1: over there at <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this point we get the sort of famous the adam in the
2: there's no batter idiot Hum 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 hey save hum
1: hey In the UK we don't have baseball so that was kind of always a bit foreign to us but could see but that was always one of my favourite parts. Is that something that was in the script or did you sort of improv that or did they approach you for it?
2: Well it was originally it was originally a cricket and rounders reference, but we figured that just wouldn't fly. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have helped
2: yeah uh no that was all that was all in the script the way it was um and uh you know I think it comes from what was uh popular with um David Spade and all the Saturday Night live people and all that stuff so it was a definite. That's what it you know, that was literally word for word it was written.
1: Nice. Well, now Dom and I Dom doesn't know this, but we'd like to audition for you. I will be auditioning for Gordon Bombay, and Dom is gonna audition for Lester slash Dave Averman on this next line delivery, and you let us know if we'll get the part. Ready? Got it. Go. You think losing is funny? Well, not at first, but once you get the hang of it. Did we get the part?
2: That was that was really good timing, man. <laughs>
1: I actually
0: did not know that was going to happen as well. So.
2: <laughs> you even had the like the the like broken uh, timing thing that that I do totally. Yeah, that was good.
0: Just good memory, I suppose. <laughs> but thank you. Um, I'm, I'm actually honoured.
2: I mean, if this was one of those like reality shows where where you know like where we all wear masks, like the Masked Singer, I would say you um, uh, would definitely advance to the next level and we'd have to kill the other one. EXA. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm dead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Give him the 13 million.
1: Yeah. Gordon sees the, the magical uh, Hans watching from afar, and on this viewing I thought, is it possible that Hans is actually just a figment of Bombay's imagination, is not actually real? And maybe he's sort of fl- fight clubbing him into existence?
2: this this is back like you in high school this is your this is your thing man
1: <laughs> yes i need therapy perhaps
3: <laughs>
1: but
0: psychosis has become a thing
2: yeah it has that like nostalgic feel yeah like they uh um he's going back and in, into his roots you know uh and then he falls and he falls for the gag. You know, he falls for the um, cutting your finger on the sharpening the ice, you know, or sharpening your skate. So and he's the only one who goes in through the back door. You know, it's it's all I actually really love that scene, too.
1: I actually think all of those touches are really it's a really delicate undertone of really nice writing and shows vulnerability and actually releases Gordon Bombay's story sort of slowly to the audience like every time they go back to the prologue you get a little bit more information that sort of gives you more information about the character and I think that all of those touches make it a really well-rounded movie
2: oh yeah oh yeah I mean he uh like it starts to explain the cautionary tale of like uh never lose what what's really important to you I mean that's why I think that movie is so good
0: you know I think J- Joss Ackland as well in that yes. in that scene in particular has a fan- he's well as in all of films that he's in he has a fantastic voice just the way he uses it just so calming and grounded so like, it's like you see him in films like he's in *Lethal Weapon* two uh, and he's like the bad guy and he's
2: yeah he's, he's a supervillain yeah yeah
0: yeah he's in um, *Miracle on 34th Street* and he's kind of the bad guy that becomes an almost good guy and uh, in this he's like such a nice guy. <laughs> And he's just, the way he changes his voice is so soft and, and really well-spoken and, and you kind of you sort of fall in love with him a bit as well, like Bombay has
2: yeah he's like the moral center father figure of it all yeah yeah
1: exactly we then move to the ducks being sort of bullied by the hawks with like the women's catalog sort of in the back alley and we're introduced to fulton who we've seen in previous scenes sort of watching the first game
2: and then there's and there's a joke that would also probably not fly with a pg movie about having sex with one's mom (laughs) and
1: uh
2: and that's where uh, carp ends up in the gutter and then um and then Fulton comes out and saves the day uh, and we get introduced to uh, the mythical figure of,
1: of, of him. Yeah. And he sort of to me is like uh, he sort of reminds me of like the, the old man from Home Alone just to bring up just to loop it back to Home Alone again. He kind of like saves the day and just sort of grunts.
0: Unfortunately, due to Matt Doherty's really busy schedule, he's had to leave us halfway through the podcast. So we will carry on. But his analysis so far has been top notch and fantastic. And some of the memories and some of the bits he's saying have been super funny and great. So we're honoured to have had him on the podcast. But unfortunately he's had to go. So we will carry on, just me and Simon.
1: But we do have his final thoughts at the end of the podcast that he did leave us with before he left and some insight into the disney plus reboot of the mighty ducks to tv show so stick around listen to me and dom go through the rest of this movie and you can hear what all of us thought about it collectively at the end so we now get to a point where coach bombay is teaching the ducks to cheat he's like having them doing these military sort of chants of Take the foul at hurt, get indignant. One more time.
2: Now say it again. Take the fall at hurt, get indignant. One more time. Take Take the fall at
0: hurt, get indignant.
2: Good. You guys are ready. Do
0: you remember this bit? I do remember this bit, yeah. Um, Because they're all sort of facing up against each other as well, aren't they? And they're going through the chant as he walks down the middle of them down on the ice. (laughs) <laughs> and I had forgotten about this as well. I'd forgotten that they that he trains them to cheat, which I thought was quite quite a strong sort of way to start. I suppose now that we know the the origin of the film, him being a bit of a like an alcoholic and having all these problems and stuff like that 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 was like an easy road to go down and it's about overcoming adversity and and all of that and pushing to the next level and, and becoming stronger and better and, and all of that. So it's kind of... It's nice that they still included that and you have to be at that lowest point where even these kids are saying to you, no, we're not... Because it's Charlie that says, I won't cheat. And I'm not... That's not what I'm here for. You know, I quite happily play and be rubbish and always lose, but I won't do it by cheating. Um, which I think that's like, fair play. And that's like... That's a really... Kind of like that's the key moment of the film, isn't it? Where Coach Bombay turns and becomes this... Actually, I'm actually quite interested in this now because this kid has made me think I could be a better person.
1: Right, and it ties in nicely to the beginning of the film where Gordon is trying to find loopholes in his DUI and, and all his court cases. It's like he always tries to take shortcuts so it makes sense that in this wee hockey league that he would still try and find a way to just get to the win which again makes sense because as a child through coach riley that's what he was taught you go for the w you go for the win so again the writing ties back to him as an adult and it actually is it's actually really well written mm. like it, it ties together really succinctly
0: Absolutely, yeah, and from it, like any sort of Disney film, you, you kind of think it's about fun and entertainment and family, but there's always a message, and the message in this is, you know, you've got to do it the right way and the honest way, and at the end, you'll win. <laughs> one, one way or another, <laughs> not by cheating,
1: right? You... By cheating.
0: I mean, like, I, I'm by and you'll win. I mean on a
1: on a moralistic like, on level. A moral
0: level, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so then we get District 5 versus the Jets. And this is where District 5 players are getting in trouble for cheating. And then, as you said, Conway won't cheat. And this is the whole eye bit where Bombay is like, just reach for your eye as if it's cut and then hit the ice. And it's a, it's a nice moment. It's well shot where Joshua Jackson is looking at Emilio Estevez and defying him. And he actually does the smart thing. He uses his skate to pass the puck out. So it's not like he didn't even lose possession. So I don't think Bombay really had a leg to stand on there. <laughs> Definitely. We then move to the changing rooms and Gordon shouts at Charlie. Whoa, why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> We as the audience (laughs)
0: This is Smart House all over again
1: Everything ties back to Smart House Peach Cobbler (laughs) This is a good moment to remind our listener No, the one listener we have
0: Dave (laughs) Hi Dave
1: (laughs) If you haven't checked out our pilot episode Smart House Then now is a great time well, not now. After this, so there is a changing room scene. Is that better? Where Bombay shouts at kids, mainly Charlie, and Charlie leaves. Jesse leaves. The
0: characters that leave leave in protest because they don't want to cheat. And the the dad,
1: Jesse and Tyler. <laughs> Tyler is not Tyler. <laughs> Jesse and Jesse and it, Terry. Terry.
0: Was well, not far off with Tyler, Jesse, and Terry.
1: No, Tyler's close.
0: They were, yeah. They all leave in protest, and Jesse and Terry's dad comes in, doesn't he? When they as they walk out, and he's like, "I didn't miss overtime to watch my kids cheat. What, like, what are you doing? I, I want to watch my kids and be proud of them. And what's the point in us coming to watch this? You know, awful display of just not, absolutely zero sportsmanship." and they're not even trying so I might as well just I could have earned some money out of this today you know I've gone to work
1: I think you've ad-libbed a little bit here I think it was just one line you sound really concerned wait he's upset
0: he's come to see his children succeed that's true and all they've been told to do is take a dive
1: that's what he says as well I don't want to come see my kids taking dives and that's got to hurt like diving onto ice So Gordon goes to see Hans, whether he did or not. We don't know if he's alive or real. Sharpening skates. This is a scene that Matt touched on and we get a bit more exposition into Gordon's dad's death, which is really sad. Hans says that Gordon missing the penalty shot and his dad's death are not connected. But because they happen at the same sort of time in Gordon's life, he feels that they are interwebbed. And this adds to some of his pain of being involved in the hockey world again. Which, as much as this is it's a comedy and it's a kids film, etc., it has that grounding and foundation of real emotion.
0: Yeah, it's not just silliness, is it? It's it's quite it's quite a powerful message, isn't it? And actually, it, it does deal with subjects that you wouldn't always expect from a kids film in 1992. You you would think that it would be a bit more silly and slapstick, like when they were falling over and smacking Goldberg in the legs with the hockey sticks and stuff like that. But actually, it's got some, you know, really sort of touching points that probably mean a lot to people and and understand. And and that the seam of hands, like we said earlier, is is really important. And he's kind of, he's that, almost like his grandfather. He's become that father figure.
3: (laughs) What happened now? <laughs> what happened
1: there? All I could think about is Hans, Hans Booby, <laughs> I'm your white knight. Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight.
0: It's not Die Hard. We're not doing Die Hard. The Mighty Ducks.
1: I think it's that <laughs> I'm so sad <laughs> that Die Hard was in the late 80s that we're never going to be able to cover it.
0: Unless we do an 80s podcast.
1: That. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I guess. That's true. We could do that one day, but the 90s is our jam. Hans. Bobby. I'm your white knight. Sorry, you was on a really tender moment there about a powerful moment in the film. Ruined. So this is where... (laughs) This is... (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, God. This is where... (laughs) <laughs> why is his name Bombay <laughs> why was the film going to be called Bombay it makes there's, it, there's no reference to ice hockey there like as in I don't, the Mighty Ducks Ducks team you kind of get it you
0: yeah, know his name's Gordon Bombay isn't it there's two types of gin Gordon's I promise you oh
1: Gordon's gin and Bombay pss, sapphire, sapphire or something yeah
0: that's, that's why his name was put together it's two different types of gin what? It's, yeah, but what's I got zero do ice hockey? Nothing.
1: Hans gives... Hans gives Gordon a pair of... Hans gives Gordon... Hans gives Gordon a pair of skates. Nine and a half. Gordon, pretty bratty, is like, well, actually, I'm a size nine. And Hans is like, wear thick socks, Gordon.
0: Yeah, you're getting some free skates, mate. Douchebag. Just like, take them and shut <laughs>
1: we then get a flashback to young gordon that we now know is some bitcoin millionaire uh with memories on the pond with his dad and he's playing on his own he's sort of doing self commentary it's i think it's really well shot it's like a nice memory it's got a good sort of filter over it it's, it's like a sweet moment
0: i mean one of your favorite moments of celtic pride was the commentary bit that dan i did. was that that have a nice little ringer to it
1: yeah young Bombay didn't have a gun to his own face that's true yeah (laughs) but it's it's a really sweet moment because I actually I remember like playing football on my own in the garden And like you sort of doing that, like pretending to be like West Ham players and things and kicking it against the fence as if that's like a one, two. And the more I talk about it, the more it sounds like my childhood was just me on my own, just (laughs) making up things and just not being loved. And as much as my parents have told me, they said that that's not the truth. But the more I unearth, the more I'm concerned that I've just been living a lie and I'm now using this podcast as therapy.
0: (laughs) Well, welcome to the What's in Simon's Mind podcast. Uh,
1: <laughs> Did you ever play on your own? No, I had friends. <laughs> you. So, so you are real. Yeah. You're not a big <laughs> I mean, I'm maybe. not like throwing my voice and doing this podcast on my own.
0: <laughs> 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 so after the memory, we move to Gordon going to Charlie's house, don't we? To make moves on his mum. It basically, yeah. But it's essentially to, to go and apologise, isn't it? He wants to go and say sorry. He wants to go and say sorry. And he wants to go and, you know, tell Charlie that he was absolutely right. And cheating isn't right. He needs to put things right with this kid. Because he seems to be, like, the leader of the pack. Like, the team, kind of the team captain, isn't he? And it's all about that, you, you know, the spirit of it at the end of the day. And he's... Bombay goes to his house and kind of trying to make amends is it the mum that answers the door yeah it's
1: the mum and, and she's, she's like, cold at the beginning yeah, doesn't want let him in we're not
0: interested and tries to like close the door and he's like whoa, whoa, whoa you know and kind of talks his way in doesn't he and then you know the scene you know carries on for a minute and they're having a chat and he's talking to Charlie and he actually literally like basically uses a pickup line through Charlie doesn't he he's like so what kind of men does your mum like isn't
1: that? No, that's later. That's that later in the out. diner. Sorry. He he eases his way in before just fully trying to extort his relationship, <laughs> potentially bribery of letting Charlie take that last penalty shot.
0: Yeah,
1: there's some sweet moments in here where the mom, he's asked Casey Charlie's mom if they can have a minute to talk, and she goes into the kitchen, but she's listening on the other side of the wall. Gordon's trying to find, like, the right words to apologise, and then she's just like, you're sorry. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay? And it's sort of like a bonding moment in two parallels to Casey and to Charlie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's the turning point of Bombay as well, isn't it? Where he goes from being this quite tough lawyer type that isn't interested other than winning and getting the W. And... It gets to this point where he becomes the little bit softer, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more caring coach, really, and you know, friend, rather than just the, the nasty guy he was at the beginning. I actually like this. may be an unpopular opinion, but I didn't. I don't like him. Don't like Bombay.
1: Throughout the whole film, I think even by, even uh, once he's arced.
0: I think by the end, he's all right, but he's not.
1: Not my favorite in it. What did you think of his performance? Was that like part of what you were saying? Or were you just saying he just didn't like the character?
0: I, I actually think his performance is, is okay and is quite good because I don't like the character. I don't... Emilio Estevez I have no problem with at all. <laughs> but um, Coach Bombay, I, I really don't like him. I watched a film and I... Uh, the, this is the sort of film that's put on at Christmas, isn't it? Or on a Sunday afternoon. You think it's that quite nice sort of family film and you watch it and you think oh yeah Mike Ducks is great it's loads of fun especially watching you know the kids play the hockey and, and they're whizzing around and you know they're getting battered and it's like the true underdog story and they overcome adversity and they win great but I really don't like him throughout it After like as a character I just think this guy's a bit of a bit of an ass, really <laughs> I think just not even when he changes he's still a bit stroppy isn't he but you know he does get a bit nicer but yeah, I don't
1: know. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I I understand. Yeah, I get completely what you're saying. I mean, now as like an adult, I really love Coach Riley. He's probably I know we're not there at that point yet, but he's probably my favourite character because his voice and delivery is so great. But he's like the epitome of the of an antagonist. It's played. It's pitched at the right level. But when we get to Mighty Duck Two. It loses a lot of the sort of darkness. It's a much more like shinier, you know, more glamorous Hollywood sort of bubble around it. Where, you know, most sequels they feel like they have to push the envelope further and the characters have to become sort of more caricatures of themselves, etc and that is really evident in Mighty Ducks 2. But saying that, it's like my that's my favorite one because I think that one would came out in 94. So as we were like 7 8 when that came out. So that's like right in there as like a pivotal, you know, nostalgic sort of period. And the antagonist in Mighty Ducks 2 is ridiculous compared to Coach Riley. Like Coach Riley is still like a, a person, you know. We're in the second one. You'll see what I mean when we get to that one eventually but the wolf, the dentist, Stanson is the name of the antagonist in the second one. Can you remember the second one or No,
0: not, not really. The first one is the one I've got, you know, the memories of. I can't, I'll probably watch the second one and then think, oh yeah, I remember that. But yeah, but right now I can't remember any of it. it
1: would be interesting when we get there.
0: Then we move on to Bombay going back to see Ducksworth whilst he's suspended from work, and he asks for money. So he he realises the team haven't got the equipment and they haven't got what they need. It's like Matt was saying earlier that, you know, it's like a child protection issue where Goldberg has got newspapers attached to his legs to try and protect him. Um, So we need some proper padding and shielding and just general equipment, including skates, to to get these kids actually being able to play properly. Uh, So he goes back to see Ducksworth.
1: And Ducksworth says, well, how much is this going to cost? And Bombay says 15 grand. It's like one and a half thousand dollars per kid if there's like 10 kids on the team.
0: I suppose if you haven't got, if you're a parent of a kid that wants to play ice hockey and you live in like District 5, you're not going to be able to pay for that, are you? So, cause that... We'll talk about it later when we get there because the, the the reasons there are districts is, is because that determines what team you can play on doesn't it essentially what part you know of the league you're in and stuff like that so and they're obviously from a part of town that isn't that wealthy which is why they haven't got the kit and all these old jerseys which are horrible so he's asking for this 15 grand to you know obviously Came out, fundament out. Fund him and he, does he mention getting getting ducks with his own shirt?
1: It, yeah, that that's what that's what gets him it. He says, "Yeah, I've written here. All he needed was a jersey, and his sold." <laughs> and he's like, "I'll get you your own jersey." He's like, "Okay." Then we cut to Hans's store spending the money. So I actually think it was just a scam <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. Gordon's Is getting you... this fifteen grand, but he actually only needs like five hundred dollars. And the rest is going in Hans's pocket. <laughs> but as we know, Hans isn't real, so that's actually Gordon's skate shop.
0: That's just a wild theory.
1: <laughs> but it's uh this is a nice scene and we get some exposition on Fulton where where some of the players are talking amongst each other and they're sort of getting to the myths and rumors. oh, I heard he's got a football scholarship to colleges or oh, he's not allowed to play you know contact sports and Fulton is there for some reason because he just stalks these kids <laughs> and he's, like, helping get a hockey stick out of one of the, like, display stands.
0: Do you not think he's, like, their... kind of their guardian angel? Like, a little bit of a pro- protector for them? Because he, he turns up and, and saves them when they're sort of getting picked on in the alleyway and he sort of looks after them in the shop helping them out, you know, Reachings they can't
1: reach. Are you theorising that Fulton isn't real?
0: No. <laughs> uh, and I think he sort of plays that kind of older brother kind of part, if it's quite well, but he's
1: got that silent, doesn't really talk demeanour, hasn't he? Well, did you know in real life, Fulton, the actor that played him, and Guy Germain uh, were brothers, or are our brothers? And Fulton had to actually they dyed his hair darker so that they you know wouldn't look sort of similar.
0: I did not know that. <laughs> that's that's really interesting. Cause is he is he blonde? Oh, cause I suppose his younger brother in real life then is really blonde, isn't he? Yeah. So is he blonde as well?
1: I'm assuming so. Yeah. I think he's in. I'm
0: is, thinking is it, about he, it, he's in loads of other stuff, isn't he?
1: He's in the Butterfly Effect. That's
0: right. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Yeah, he is blonde, isn't he? All right, and they dyed his hair
1: and dyed his hair yeah well,
0: did they, was that like a production choice or was that his parents or
1: no I'm guessing it was a production thing just to try and distance him but also his framed as being like really big but in real life is like 5 foot 6 5 foot 7 there's nothing wrong with that
0: <laughs> it's an honest height <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> so Bombay recruits Tommy and Tammy at the ice rink Because that's okay to do in the 90s.
0: Well, yeah, just approach some some children who are unattended and get them on your ice hockey team. But the reason he recruits them is because they're like figure skaters. And he essentially needs people who are good skaters. He doesn't necessarily need good hockey players, but good skaters is, is always good. And then he can coach them and train them into being good hockey
1: players. We then get to a training session and Gordon's taking the ducks back to the basics, skating... We get the infamous egg scene, and with the soft hands, and then they're sailing the the eggs across. Which, as a kid, I always thought was like a great sort of teaching technique. I'm sure they wouldn't teach that to actual kids. Thinking about it now, because that must be quite hard to get broken yolk off of ice,
0: right? Yeah, I would have thought so. It's going to involve a lot of scraping, isn't it? (laughs) But I like the. Let it, let it like, slide towards you and ease it in and catch it. And, yeah, like, so it's, it's kind of a good early training technique because what kid is it that gets covered in it?
1: Carp. Yeah.
0: So, it, like, uh, Bombay moves the egg, like, plays the egg across the ice to him and he basically receives it and r- receives it on target and it just, like, smashes all over him and he's covered in it. Um, and that's when it's like, no, you've got to, like, gently ease back and you know take control of it and stuff like that and then this is where you know the coaching really starts to get going doesn't it and it's it really starts to feel like they're becoming more of a unit
1: and it's funny you saying that you didn't like Bombay as a character because these are the moments that I actually really like him in and I actually really liked him I liked cocky arrogant Bombay at the beginning yeah I really warmed up to him by by this point
0: I think because I I just didn't like him from the beginning because of his, his attitude and, you know, he's he's just got that sense and that aura about him, hasn't he? That, you know, I'm, I'm a winner and it doesn't matter what anyone else says, I'm a winner. And, you know, some people like that, fine. But I've, I think he's made to not be liked, isn't he? Mm. Uh, and then he's made to be liked by the end. I think because I just really didn't like him at the beginning, I just still didn't like him by the end.
1: So if anything it was too convincing at the start that it was too far to sort of make a recovery. To for put you. it back for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we then get Goldberg tied to the goal, which is iconic, and they have sort of like gun sounds over the top, as if he's sort of being shot at. They leave him there. <laughs> tied <laughs> to the goal, which is classic. These this this is this is one of the more like iconic, infamous scenes.
0: And then he starts, like, moving off, doesn't he go, guys, guys, and he's taking the goal with him. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Is this when? Is it? do we then move into Coach Bombay going, takes Charlie home? Yeah. So, yeah, Bombay takes Charlie home. The mum's watching them. From the window, From, yeah. Yeah, just, like, kind of watching them come back, thinking, oh, this is, you know, he's getting attached. This is the, he's getting attached to a, a guy, and I, I don't want. I don't want you to break his heart kind of thing, isn't it? That's it.
1: They're like play fighting and she's seeing that he's getting this positive male role figure in his life. And yeah, I guess that puts more on the line of pressure for that relationship, which hasn't even really started yet between her and Gordon. Yeah. Gordon and Beardy from Lost are driving and Fulton smashes the window of the car. So Gordon, of course, recruits him.
0: And it's it happens sort of. I'd forgotten that happened, so I was rewatching. It actually made me jump because <laughs> they're just driving on casually, and then it's like bang, and the windows just completely smashed the bits, isn't it?
1: Well, Beardy is actually pretty brave because seeing that happen, you might have thought that was a gunshot, but he reverses back to like see what's <laughs> happened rather than sort of speeding off. So I think secretly Beardy was packing heat in he's the glove box. For, he's getting back for more. <laughs> yeah. It's a good introduction to Fulton. He actually doesn't dispel the rumours of whether he's got a scholarship or not. Like Gordon basically asks him he just says, people talk, that doesn't mean anything. Hmm. I've always wanted to know, well, does it? Like, did you have a scholarship? I want to know about you.
0: I I think it's, one of, you know, when the kids say, oh, he's got the scholarship when they're in the shop and so he's got the scholarship and he can't play and he can't do this and he can't do that I think it's all rubbish isn't it because maybe he's because he's a bit of a loner isn't he he's not really he doesn't really appear to have mates that's why he kind of I think hangs around with them and looks after them just wants to join in but no one's ever said hey do you want to come and play it's just become that myth or that urban legend that he is you know he's going off to to be a college footballer and he's going to do this and he's going to do that but if anyone, if someone had just said to him, Trent's playing some ice hockey," he'd been like, "Yeah, I love ice hockey. I I'll, I'll happily play."
1: Uh, we also missed out uh, a slight bit of when they're in the store in Hans's store buying all of the stuff that Peter, with his little leather jacket,
0: <laughs> cap on backwards. Yeah, <laughs>
1: he spots the article about Gordon missing the the what could have been the game winning shot in the Pee Wee Championships in nineteen seventy three. Yeah, more importantly, he's a hawk, and of course, you know, if that's who, you, if you were a hawk when you were, you know, nine, then you bleed that hawk black and white blood. <laughs> so Fulton says to Gordon that essentially you can't skate, and Gordon says, "Oh, is that all that's stopping you?" And then we move through to a classic nineties montage of the Ducks or District 5 still at this point rollerblading through the Mall of America, more hijinks ensue, some poor, poor woman, middle-aged woman gets knocked into a fountain.
0: (laughs) There's a guy who gets his, like, donut nicked as well? Yeah, by Goldberg.
1: (laughs) And somehow Fulton manages to go down, like, two or three flights of stairs and miraculously stays balanced. And
0: I don't think I would have been able to go down one stair without breaking both my ankles.
1: Yeah, same. These are nice moments and Gordon's teaching him to, you know, move his legs and how to skate and these are these more sort of 90s Disney family vibes, aren't they?
0: Yeah, the um, the little montage in the middle is that, you know, oh, it was quite fun really kind of moment. Isn't
1: it? We then get to the unveiling of the Ducks jerseys and we get the little speech from Gordon talking about... You ever seen a duck fight?
0: They they all look a bit confused by this point, don't they? And it's just like well, no one no one messes with
1: with a duck. Yeah,
0: what's what's the answer? The answer is no. You've never seen a duck fight because ducks are the toughest animal, you know. Out that's there. it. Yeah. <laughs> they're they they're on the pond, and if anyone messes with them, then they all band together.
1: You mess with one duck, you gotta mess with the whole flock. Yeah. And that's where he like pulls off the jacket, and he's got the the jersey on. There's some nice little jokes in there. Ducks don't even have teeth, neither do hockey players.
0: <laughs> Once they've revealed their sort of shirt and who they're, where the money's come from, this is actually where we lead to one of my favourite lines in the film. Um, because Bombay, it's all question why they're white ducks and stuff like that. And Bombay says, I didn't have a choice, we're being sponsored. So basically, the guy that's giving me the money, we're going to put his name all over it. And Averman says... By who? Donald and Daisy? And that, that, that's it. Ah, I think that's brilliant. It's not only a little, like, little nod to other Disney characters, but it, it, ducks, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I love good. the fact that he comes up with that as well and he just sort of throws it out and it's it's a really, really good line. Uh, the, the silly lines and the funny lines are, are, are like my favourite and they pretty much all come from
1: Matt. From Averman, as, yeah. Averman, yeah. <laughs> His great comic relief. Fulton is the first one to say, I'll be a duck followed by Charlie, followed by the rest. And the jerseys are awesome. I really like them. Oh. Obviously, green, which was our favourite colour as a kid. And, yeah, really dope. And to this day, things on like Instagram and online, I think at hockey games, you still today have people wearing like replicas of those green Ducks jerseys. Did you ever have one? I didn't, and that's a tragedy. Oh, that's not good.
0: I mean, you've got an original one, not one that you would wear.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have a green one. The green ones are uh, like gold to find. Adam Banks's one, we haven't spoken about Adam Banks yet because he hasn't really come in yet. But his green Ducks jersey went on auction, thinking like 2016, 2017 uh, in America and sold for about two and a half thousand dollars.
0: Wow, big money!
1: Yeah, but it's Banks. Here's the best. <laughs> when we get to our first game, that is the Ducks rather than District Five. It's Ducks versus the Cardinals, and to warm up, they're playing American football. And the Cardinals, or some a player from the Cardinals, is says something like, "What a what a strange team," <laughs> which I thought was a really good line because it actually wasn't like mean or anything they're just like what what a weird team <laughs>
0: we don't understand you
1: because <laughs> it actually seems like all of the other teams in the league as we sort of go down uh, and and into these different games they're all actually nice teams it's only the Hawks that are like these antagonists
0: but that's come from coaching has not it the coach who's essentially supposed to play that role and make them the the evil nasty team, aren't they? So they're, they're the bad ones and nobody wants to play them because they always win and they're not particularly nice, so... They're yeah. the
1: bullies and... Yeah, the, the bullies
0: of the league. But it's quite fun playing the other teams because, although it's competitive, they're kind of all right, really, aren't they? And, and they're quite happy to play and they just get on with it. Whereas, yeah, like you said, the, the Hawks are the, the nasty bully ones.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just... I love it sometimes. I just realise we're having such serious conversations <laughs> about these. About Mighty Ducks. About.
0: When they're playing the Cardinals, this is where Walton is like doing his warm up, isn't he? And he's just. They they tip the bucket of pucks onto the. I was gonna say the floor, onto the ice. And they're like, okay, ready? Just like go for it and smash it. And he's just actually smashing all these pucks all over the place. And uh, it's one in five, isn't it? is the one in five goes in and then he, he hits the post and he smashes some glass and it's just going all over the place and then yeah that, that one in five is like okay that's, that's the average of how, how much you're going to score every time you, you hit one of these pucks uh, I actually quite like that bit and it just shows how powerful he is and how, how strong the, play, the, the
1: player is and the Cardinals are watching this and are terrified oh, they're just in
0: fear, absolute fear
1: We then get the first quack chant, which, because from before, the ducks were trying to mimic the hawks with the win-win-win chant. This is where we get the... We're ducks. We're not District 5. Ducks are undefeated, and then we get the quacking, which actually ties towards Cool Runnings, when Cool Runnings do that, when they're doing the bobsled and they're trying to mimic Germans, and they're going like, eyes, vi, rather than when they obviously later... Do their own thing, and we get for the rhythm, for the ride, give it up. It's Bob's Dead Time. Cool running. It. <laughs> it makes me really sad that you didn't know. I have, I've not seen that film for years and years and years. Oh no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your wish is my command. <laughs> Feel the
3: rhythm. Feel the ride Get on up. It's Bob's Dead Time. Cool running. Oh, that's my choice
0: this week.
1: It is, it is. <laughs> I look forward to whatever war epic I've got. <laughs> so we get the first duck charm. Sorry, we get the first quack charm. And then carp takes a puck to the head.
0: Oh, yeah. It actually dents his helmet as well, doesn't it? <laughs> and he's like proper out of it.
1: <laughs> carp died that day. <laughs> then we but get he, some... Um
0: has some damage to his frontal lobe.
1: Are you sure he doesn't have a frontal lobe left? <laughs> well, we get some good comedy moments of... Carp, how many fingers am I holding up? Oh, he wouldn't know that anyway. You know, things like that.
0: And Bobby's like, shut up.
1: <laughs> it's good moments. Fulton helps the Ducks get a tie by pretending to shoot. And as he sort of winds up, there's like 30 seconds left, he winds up and all of the Cardinals are sort of like move to the side because they're scared for their lives And the other ducks sort of take the puck and just sort of glide it in, which was a great moment.
0: It's nice. It's quite funny when everyone's just absolutely jumping out of the way because they're just in fear that this could go anywhere. (laughs) And the goalie
1: actually like gets out of the (laughs) goal. Just take it. You can have it. (laughs) We then cut to Gordon talking to Hans about making the playoffs and... This is where Hans says that one of the teams has got the measles, they're out, they're only, They all they have to do is not be in the bottom two to make the playoffs. This is where Hans is talking about the fact that they redrew the district lines, as to what you were alluding to earlier.
0: From that point that he realises that he would have been a duck, isn't it? So he knows that, actually, well, after the redrawing of the district lines, that his old house falls under duck territory, so he would have been district five or a duck so he kind of this is where he starts to feel i think feel like less of a hawk bombay i mean he starts to feel like less of a hawk uh, and is really getting into the spirit
1: of being a duck i actually never thought of it like that that is really good yeah of course now he can associate himself that he would have been district five he would have been a duck my god the writing on this <laughs> Steve Brill Leant <laughs> <laughs> Well done. No that, that's a that's a really good I never thought of that. Nice.
0: Thanks. And then he starts to play lawyer games, doesn't he? Essentially with the other team. Uh, and he identifies that one of the one of their players is within his district.
1: Their best player. Their
0: best player, Adam Banks. Then is essentially transferred over and like although that kid earlier on had been one of the bully kids and stuff like that he's then just he then goes i just kind of want to play hockey so i don't i not really don't really care who i play for because his dad steps in doesn't he and says my son's a hawk and has always been a hawk and will always be a hawk and it's either that or he won't play and he's got that face of like shock and no i want to play kind of thing but it doesn't say anything and then it's just like Do you know what let's just you know, see how let's see how it goes, but I, I just wanna play hockey. Coach Riley is like, Come on, you must be kidding. We've you know, he's always played for the Hawks. What's what's your problem, Bombay? And then they get to their confrontation. Kind of, yeah, it's like a real moment of
1: That's my it's one of my favorite favourite scenes. But but before that Bombay has the, the punchline of Well, banks can stay playing for your team but if he does, you have to forfeit every game for the rest of the season. And he says something like, Oh, wouldn't that be a shame? Like, he just sort of sticks the knife in where he's still got some of that arrogance and cockiness. Just before we go on to this confrontation, were you saying that I'm I'm's him? Who? Alan Banks? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like the biggest compliment you could ever give me.
0: Because you'd moved to a school where you, where, you, where you didn't know anyone and you're a bit lost and, and, and like, Oh. That's kind of like Adam Banks. You've taken out of somewhere where you were That's comfortable it. and happy, and moved to somewhere where you were less comfortable and happy. But eventually, you
1: I left the school because it was over. That's <laughs> so lovely. That's so lovely of you to say. You're welcome. Right. So we get to we get to Bombay and Riley's confrontation, and this might be my favourite scene.
0: This this has a great bit in it, especially Coach Riley, where he's like, and he, in fact, he says. Why'd you turn against me, Gordon? For six years, I taught you how to skate. I taught you how to score. I taught you how to go for the W. <laughs> and then you could have been one of the greats. And that that bit, that must have hurt. Because he's just like, mate, you could have gone all the way. You could have been it. You were like NHL stardom. And then, and then, we're, we're back down. We're back down to earth. We're below earth on this next one because he's like and now look at yourself you're not even a has-been you never
1: was I love that line (laughs) wow it's so deep in the way he delivers it yeah you're not even a has-been you never was and his
0: his hand movements as he's doing it it's just fantastic isn't it
1: because that is so deep it's like you didn't even you're just nothing (laughs) you're not even I'm the only one that knows you are any good yeah and Adam Banks wants it more than you and that's what, hmm. He's not oh, like, as good
0: as you, but it will go further than you. It's essentially what he's saying.
1: Why'd you turn against me, Gordon? For six years,
2: I taught you how to skate. I taught you how to score. I taught you how to go for the W. You could have been one of the greats. And now look at yourself.
3: You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was.
1: This is where Gordon's saying, about the ducks and he says yeah they don't even deserve to live and the kids overhear it, overhear it it's obviously being sarcastic but they just sort of throw that in as another hurdle to sort of overcome in the third act really but yeah that, that scene is brilliant Lane Smith's delivery everything is perfect his perfect casting I love it he
0: <laughs> is great He's very good
1: it? taught you how to score taught you how to escape <laughs> taught you to go for the W. <laughs> you could have been one of the greats.
2: I taught you how to skate. I taught you how to score. I taught you how to go for the W. You could have been one of the greats.
3: And now look at yourself. You're not even a haspin. You're a never-was.
1: But now they Ah. Can... Oh. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You really do like this scene, don't you? <laughs>
0: Hans! <laughs> Hans? Bobby, (laughs) you've got so much editing to do.
1: (laughs) We get to the changing rooms for the next game and Bombay tells the team about Adam Banks and that he's going to come over. And Peter tells the rest of the team about what he heard Gordon say about them being losers. And this could have been explained away pretty quickly by Gordon. Yeah,
0: well, like when he comes in, he could have then just been like, like, what's the problem? And then when well, they all said all this stuff, like, we losers and we deserve to die and stuff like that, it's just like, you no, know, guys, you don't understand sarcasm I was taking the meat, you know, I was just saying to him, oh, they're losers and you oh, should just die. It's like any classic Shakespeare play though, isn't it? Is that every Shakespeare play could be done in one act oh. because it's all about deceit, isn't it? And not telling the truth and and not, and not being like forthcoming with something that's happened. So Bombay, not turning around and saying, guys, it was just sarcasm, has then added that extra bit of tension, an extra hurdle to get over. And every Shakespeare play is exactly the same.
1: So, my darksy Shakespeare. It's
0: it's literally like someone has got this secret and they won't tell it, but all they'd have to do is let it out, let someone know, and all these problems go away. End of play. End of film. Job done. But no. Disney is smarter than that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it just kind of keeps the ball rolling for a little while doesn't it and that creates that tension again and it creates extra tension because that's when they link Banks to Bombay isn't it
1: yeah he says something like guess you Hawks stick together or something like that
0: yeah because then the little guy Peter makes Mm -hmm. it clear to everyone that coach Bombay was a Hawk and he missed in his final game and he
1: choked or something yeah and it,
0: it becomes a thing for them and then they will storm out.
1: But you know what I realized just now is the fact that when we look at the banners in like the rafters, right? Then they won like every season, right? Every season for like the last couple of decades. So Gordon at some point must have won a Wee championship with the Hawks. He just didn't win that year, right? Like he, I'm assuming that wasn't his rookie season. Like that's his first. Like he must have won the season before, the season before that, right?
0: He must have done yeah.
1: But he just, they lost that one, and then he quit playing hockey, we find out a bit later. But, but he must have won previous ones. Otherwise, he had the most amazing rookie season of all time. <laughs> of his life. Right, so he must have already won a championship. Yeah, he must
0: have done. If you've been a hawk for a couple of years, absolutely, yeah, he'd, he'd won a few times.
1: The team abandoned Gordon, except for Fulton and Conway, and then the Ducks have to forfeit against the Flames. And the Flames win.
0: Yeah, he says to the ref, doesn't he, Oh, they're just getting like... Uh, like... They're working
1: themselves into a frenzy. Yeah, they,
0: they're geeing themselves up, basically. And then those two come out on the ice and sort of skate around a bit. They throw their helmets on the ice as well, don't they? Is that a thing?
1: I think maybe um, they're so just, just... while they're warming up. I think mean just while they're warming up. And just don't really need it because we are not going to be crashing into
0: each other at 100 miles an hour or whatever. So that's... It. And the referee goes, oh, yeah, okay really get really into a frenzy or something like yeah, that, it?
1: Or... some sort of some frenzy yeah
0: something like so that. It's just like duck's forfeit it's just quite a sad moment it's... it doesn't make
1: me like bombay anymore though no, <laughs> no. <laughs> bombay goes and sees charlie and casey uh mrs conway at the diner where casey works and this is where we get some exposition about what happened and Gordon's talking to Charlie about when he missed the shot and, you know, a quarter of an inch the other way it would have gone in and Charlie says, well, a quarter of an inch the other way you would have missed completely. And he's like, well, I never thought about it from that perspective. So th- th- these are like nice moments that again ground the film.
0: I think it's almost that half, glass half full, glass half empty conversation even though Charlie's saying look, you could have missed it altogether. He- he's making a-, a fair point, isn't he? He's, he's- He's been more pragmatic about it, isn't he? And he's trying to say to Bombay, actually, it's it's okay. It's all right not to win all the time. And, you, you know, we've just forfeited a game and it's fine. We'll, we'll move on and we'll, we'll still keep going and keep trying to win. And he really knows that how many they have to win to, to get to the playoffs. So even if we don't make it, we've we've got a bit better and stuff like that. And Charlie's, you, you know, trying to edge him that way, isn't he? And he's becoming the, the sensible voice of... Of reason in the film isn't he
1: yeah this is where charlie says is saying about his mom that she has many qualities that men find attractive or something like that
0: yeah and then it's like until they see me sort of thing is that
1: yeah and then bam they're gone or something like that yeah
0: so these guys don't stick around because they they see me and i'm too much hassle for them sort of thing which is sad
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) We then, we then move to the ducks in school and they start a ruckus and then they start quacking at the teacher. <laughs> I had a note in here for Matt to see if he remembered, but in that, Averman is getting noogied by Connie, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Uh, so they quack at the teacher, so they're getting some of their unity back. Gordon then goes to see Ducksworth. And we find out that his community service is over. But when he goes to see Ducksworth, Coach Riley and Adam Banks' his dad, Mr Banks, are there. their old friends with Ducksworth, And they corner Gordon in trying to get him to withdraw his protest so that Adam Banks can stay with the Hawks. And then next season, they will redraw the district lines.
0: So this is the scene where Gordon walks in and he sees the jersey on the wall. That he, uh, Mr. Ducksworth has been given, and uh, actually, do, do you know the what the number is on the shirt? No. So
1: it's
0: thirty four. Right. And uh, the reason is that because he was born in nineteen
1: thirty four. Oh no way! That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So the the actor that plays Ducksworth was born in 1934 and said, can I have 3-4 on, on the jersey? That's so, so that's what they put on.
1: I hope he got to keep it so in the frame, because that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really good touch. No, I, n- I never knew that.
0: <laughs> there you go. little <laughs> nugget as well. Anyway, so back back to it. Um, Bombay's then in there and says to Ducksworth, so he, he's been called there by Duxworth to, and he probably thinks it's about the job and not being suspended anymore. Because we did sort of glanced over that a little bit in the when we were talking to Matt. So he's probably thinking, you know, things are going okay with the kids. I've met this woman, and you know, things are working out there. But all I've got to do now is, you know, get my job back, and this is probably the moment. And then Daxwell says, you know, you need to drop your complaint about.
1: You have to withdraw your. You have to withdraw your protest, and he says something like, "Gordon." are you prepared to lose your job uh, over some kids some game and then Gordon says well I have to ask you sir are you willing to fire me over some kids some game pack your stuff Gordon
0: what a moment as well and in front of so many other people because Coach Riley's there
1: the dispenser of his childhood trauma and then Adam Banks' is dead. yeah just to add an audience member.
0: Why they are there? So awkward. But uh, obviously, like, Riley's there because he's old friends with Duxworth And Is it Riley that's friends with
1: Duxworth? Or... Yeah, is that right? Uh, no, it's, uh, Miss Adam Banks' dad is friends with Ducksworth. But we just maybe assume that... They've known each other a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, just in cahoots.
0: Yeah. So they, they all kind of have a knowledge of each other and understanding of each other. And, um, yeah, it's all become a bit awkward now, is not it?
1: they're bribing the peewee leagues yeah.
0: and I think Bombay sticking up for himself is is even more so saying yeah this is one for the little man isn't it so the whole time like the ducks have been and like D5 have been the the little man and have always been the underdog and this is that exact moment he doesn't need to be this big shot lo- lawyer anymore
1: because actually he's found a bit more purpose This is Gordon being tested on what he's learned and seeing whether he's going to falter or not because the old Gordon would have just taken the deal, right? Because he wouldn't have cared. But like you said, this is new Gordon that is, like you said, sort of fighting for what's right. Quack, 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 Mr. (laughs) Ducksworth. Which ironically, he's quacking at his boss and the kids in school are quacking at the teacher. So you've got the parallels running there. Gordon then goes to see the ducks at school. They're all in detention. He he basically smooths everything out with, like what you said, sarcasm. Do you know what sarcasm is? No. (laughs) So, yes, they do. Something I noticed watching it this time was that we get these sort of tender moments and Gordon goes over as he's walking around. He sort of stops in front of Charlie and says, I made you and i'm sticking with you which is what charlie basically said to him at the end of the diner scene you know you made us you know and so he's saying i'm sticking with you and as he says here all of the ducks are cheering but then goldberg or sean sean weiss is next to next to conway and as gordon says this like tender moment it's meant to be a happy disney moment he rolls his eyes Like in the middle of the moment. Oh, really? It's, it's like, I've had enough of this. It's, <laughs> but it, once you notice it, it's really off putting.
3: I, I made you guys.
0: I right, watch
1: Goldberg.
3: And I'm sticking with you. <laughs> so,
0: right?
1: Really? That's true.
0: Does a full iron
1: <laughs> Oh, and Peter has a little sheriff's badge on his denim jacket.
0: What is he got like
1: that from? Because he's a sheriff. <laughs> oh, okay. Adam Banks enters the locker room. He brings his Hawks bag that has his hockey equipment in. Think, Banks. Think about this. I know,
0: I saw this as well. And when I saw it, I thought, why would you turn up with a Hawks bag? But obviously, he might might be the only kit bag he's got.
1: It's a huge bag because it's like tons of equipment. But <laughs> 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 Yes.
0: There's a lot of equipment in one bag.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of equipment.
0: It used to be that, that big. You'd have scratched off the hawks or something, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, just put something <laughs> over it. Duck Turn tape. it inside out. <laughs> Duck. <laughs> oh,
1: dear. Uh, Jesse has something to say. Oh, I think Charlie goes to introduce himself and he says, on behalf of the ducks, welcome. And Jesse sort of, like, stops him. and just, just like, hey, the way. yeah, like, you don't speak for us. Yeah. And then he, sa- he said something, like, I think he called him cake eater or something. Come we on. then get the ducks versus the huskies. Bank scores. Jesse hates it. And this is if the Ducks need to win this game to make it into the playoffs. We've got 30 seconds left on the clock and we have one play to go. They're tied, but a tie does them no good. They need to get a win. Bombay says to Fulton, and like a timeout. We're going to put you in. And they're thinking, oh, they're going to do that the Statue of Liberty play, they call it, where he's pretending to shoot. And Gordon says, No. Take your shot. But coach, one out of one. Or something like that. And he's like, it's okay, just do it. And then we get a little creepy pickup line <laughs> from Guy Germain, who says...
0: Soft hands, Fulton. Concentration, not strength. And he winks at the, the girl. That at Connie. Has. At Connie. And is like, yeah. So and that's... I'm...
1: Let's play that back now, thinking of it as a double entendre. The first meaning, meaning about hockey. Now let's think of it in the other sense. Soft hands, concentration, not strength.
0: The is nine years old. Like, what's he playing at? Can't be hitting on a girl that's like 12 and saying things like that. Yes. That's just shocking. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> This
1: is outrageous. But he's using it as a pick-up line. He's using it as a pick-up line, which is... Fulton takes a shot, he scores. It breaks the net. It's that strong. through, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: It was a great moment. Everyone was like, wah! Is it that their guitar. first win?
1: You... Yeah, because I think they tied a game, didn't they? Yeah. And, yeah, so I think this is their first win. Yeah. Which Big is, moment. Which oh. is, they go on a run now. And Fulton wins it. That's it. So Fulton wins. And then... As like a a playoff treat, Gordon takes them to go see the North Stars play, which is an NHL team, and the Ducks meet two players and I'm assuming that they were actual NHL players.
0: Yeah, I didn't find anything out about them, to be honest, but you know, when you have like we did had in Celtic Pride when you've actually got Larry Bird. And... Yeah, the real the real article. There's always that weird sort of hint of Bad acting. that yeah, I didn't just, want to say it. Yeah, but. but it just kind of sits, and you think, "Oh, that's an actual professional," but they're they're doing their best, and they're chatting, and and they kind of offer. That's when they first offer of Bombay the Tryout.
1: trial. yeah, which actually comes to fruition at the start of Mighty Ducks Two. Uh, okay. Which soon. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> soon. Oh, oh God. And the ducks are really impressed that they know who Gordon is. And they say, Oh, I heard he became a farmer. Lawyer, actually, is what he says. <laughs> Just as bad. They're having fun on the ice. They're pushing Beardy around on like a chair. And it looks like genuine fun. Gordon Falls. It's got that great music over it. Do you remember the song? I can't <laughs> You do You remember? Find it.
0: What's What's really <laughs> funny is it, What's really funny is that there's been a number of occasions where you have done the music yourself from from a part of a film over like the last few podcasts like you did on Celtic Pride I think you did it on one other as well and then you have kind of found it and played it and there's been like a like it sounds nothing like it but also sounds like it <laughs> I don't know how you managed to do it it just seems to work
1: <laughs> oh this one is a bit little... <laughs> at least this way there's no no like Risk of copyright infringement Because <laughs> nobody knows what you're
2: doing Let's have some fun You got the accent
1: you with the positive It'll eliminate the to negative That's on To the affirmative No best and mister In between You got the spread your Up to the master. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Am I right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Oh no. You try Come on. Nope. I don't know. That one. No, 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 no. on you.
3: Oh, dear.
1: So, Charlie's then making Gordon and his mum dinner, and he tells Gordon that he's going to wear the same underwear for all of the playoffs. It's
0: lucky underwear.
1: Lucky underwear, yeah.
0: They talk about <laughs> they talk about different players having like. Lucky charms and lucky underwear and
1: superstition. And yeah, right.
0: so he he kind of mentions that that's what he's gonna do and Gordon's like, no, nah, that's probably not a good idea. Or
1: well, he says, or well, maybe I should have made dinner. Yeah, <laughs> because what does he think? He was just like rubbing his hands over his underwear and then picking out the pot roast. Like what? What is he thinking? how <laughs> was Celtic so fried he thought his name was truffle. <laughs> You're like, I thought I heard truffle.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Do you're know Celtic pride, whereas
1: this tired as well. It? Oh, you didn't tell it pride. Unfair. You looked like you were someone else. <laughs> like, your eyes were different. Like, they were like a shark's eyes. They'd just gone black. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming up to the third act, if not already. Gordon and then Charlie's mum go to the winter festival. And then Gordon, a little bit eager, wants to move into ice castles Ooh. yeah with her she's planning on moving into the house which room's mine she gets a bit upset though doesn't she moving too fast worried she's that not. is uh, Charlie's gonna have his heart broken well which one of us is gonna get hurt first it's kind of what she's getting at isn't it
3: Why are you laughing now.
1: laughing now.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, <God. laughs> all right the ducks <coughs> beat the hornets and this is what this is for the first time in the film apart from like the prologues this is the first time we start getting commentary so in the peewees commentary is exclusively for playoff games oh
0: they're covered in the magazine aren't they
1: they are covered in multiple publications. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's the same magazine.
1: Whether well, they provide the commentary that
0: happens over and over that pops or like
1: up. Wee hockey monthly or something. Yeah,
0: I can't remember what they call it. It's like it says like the best for hockey news or something like that, or like local hockey news or something. But I think that's like a nice little touch as
1: well. Yeah, and it's sort of the graphics they move in into the articles and through the pictures and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, this is the first time we started getting the commentary and I loved this stuff as a kid. Like, as a kid, I used to, I'd watch these films over and over, but quite often I would just go to the end and just watch the final games because I, I loved them. Like how you loved War <laughs> with Saving <and> Private Ryan <laughs> and would like wear the tape out. That would be like the same, but for, you know, fun Disney films that kids are supposed to watch. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 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 What does he say? It's like Betty Boo Uh, Betty Boo What a dish Is that what he says? Yeah I love that bit Oh dear (laughs) Uh, Right Ducks (laughs) Beardy And Bombay So sorry Ducks beat the Hornets Yeah we get the commentary And then Beardy and Bombay Have a great jig handshake Did you notice it? No. Yes. Yeah. Then we move to Ducks versus Cardinals in the semifinals. Ducks win. I've just put here, Adam Banks is the man. This is where we get our first rendition of crowd support in We Will, Qu- we Will Quack You. We then move to the publication you're talking about. And we get like the face-off picture between... Bombay and Riley. Yeah. And this is in 92, so this is predating the movie face-off. So, <laughs> just saying. I love that. We cut back to the prologue again, but this time we're getting slightly more information. So each time we see it, we get a little bit more, you missed this shot. You're not just letting me down, you're letting your whole team down too. What pressure to put on a kid. I know, they keep cutting, like, putting more in, don't they? So, they'll add in
0: an extra line that you know is been missed from his memory but I suppose that as the film progresses he's remembering more because he's getting into that you know feeling of it all again and it's it's dragging up all these memories and stuff like that and he remembers what it's like to be one of the kids that he's now coaching and I suppose the further along he goes the more memories build up and come out and he has that sense of um, I
1: don't know, what has he got a sense of? Well it's sort of Coleman in and innating into a crescendo. We then move to the final Ducks versus Hawks lineup and the stare off. They're going down, the national anthem is playing and we sort of get each duck and each hawk one at a time, and then we get McGill, the head evil, hawk. Really, like smiling and smirking at the ducks, like it's li- like at Adam Banks. So they're sort of bullying him as well, aren't they? Now that because he
0: he's turned now, hasn't he? He's become one of them,
1: which is harsh because it's mm. not his fault, was it? Mm.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, his house is just in the wrong place. Yeah,
1: ha! <laughs> you're poor now. <laughs> like you can't be our friend. You're not a cake eater. Yeah, exactly. Eating scraps from District Five. Oh gosh. All right, the Hawks, when it gets to this final game, the Hawks are just way more physical and they dominate the first period. I think the hockey is really well filmed. Like, it's very easy to follow and I really like the sort of sound effects and you get the sort of whooshing as the, the hockey sticks are coming through and precursors a lot of the action. Like, you see the players before they're going to, like, rush in and bump into banks and things like that. Like, it it's easy to follow. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, we- the, the games are, like you said, really well shot because you, you see all of the action and you see the whole of the ice and it's not like they're going to film one tiny bit in a corner. They will fly past and then they've got to move. It, it flows really well. They're obviously, you know, very well put together film.
1: Adam Banks's dad, however, is still sat in the Hawks section and rooting for the Hawks. He's still got, like, a Hawks jacket on and all of these things. why why, why is his loyalties to this other team that his son no longer plays for
0: might be a benefactor
1: he's got money involved guy's got money yeah he's got money involved okay that makes sense (laughs) Banks is like the only player that they have Riley gives the orders to drop Banks and he does get dropped we've got to take him out yeah when uh, Banks gets hit and then his, like, head sort of goes into the post. I always, that like, always, like, made me sort of, made my spine go as a kid. And now it's nasty. And then one of the hawks is sort of sat with him and he's like, what'd you do?
0: Yeah, he he sort of says, oh, saying, is it?" You know, he's still our mate. Yeah, he's still you a know,
1: kid. He's still a kid.
0: Why, why have you done that? And he's exactly like you just said. He says, it's my job, and then disappears, doesn't he?
1: He gets, yeah, put into, like, the penalty box. And when he goes back over, Coach Riley sort of gestures, like, yeah, strong. Like, he's got no remorse to it, which I guess adds to him being...
0: And Bombay sees it as well, doesn't he? Yeah. I think he notices it.
1: Yeah, and then this is where Bombay confronts Riley. And this is uh, a great scene and great line delivery as well. And he says... To think I wasted all those years worrying about what you thought. You're going down, Riley. Powerful stuff. Well, it is, though. With the music, it sort of then... And it sort of starts picking up. Like, this is the turning point that, no, you can't win because you're cheating now. And you already have, like, the better team and the more money and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, Gordon's saying, you know, let's have fun out there. Fulton scores. We go to three two at this point. Uh, one of my favourite lines again from Riley is, "You blow this game, and nobody makes the team next year." <laughs> the Hawks score. We're at four two. Tommy and Tammy score four three, and that's done in the the sort of figure skating, yeah, f- hijinks
0: in a, in that style.
1: One of the Hawks then knocks Tammy over. And then Fulton goes over and literally lifts one of the hawks and throws them into their own bench. Oh, and sort yeah. of starts on the rest of the team
0: and gets himself um, like sent off, doesn't
1: he? To so like the penalty box. Yeah,
0: is that for? Is that on a time?
1: But you get like, like two minutes. You get like yeah, two minutes, something like that. Yeah. We then get introduced to the flying V, um, and Jesse's like reluctant to do it at the beginning, <laughs> uh, but this actually isn't foreshadowed at all in the film this was its first introduction
0: and you would have thought they would have
1: practiced it practiced in the it montage in or something
0: it's gone wrong loads of times like one of them at the back when the middle keeps falling over or the puck keeps hitting them off their feet or something you, you would have thought they would have made more of it I
1: wonder if there's like deleted scenes of something like that so we then get to the final few seconds of the game Gordon saying don't worry we'll get them in overtime confident Conway is then through on goal and he could win the game he gets brought down and fouled no time left a penalty shot a recreation of what happened in Gordon's past Gordon gets to choose anyone that's on the ice to be able to take the penalty shot he plays favourites chooses Conway when the rest of the team are saying gee because I think he's like what's known as like the next best player after Banks. though it's never really not really shown or explored that much. And instead of doing it like how Riley did and putting all of the pressure on, Bombay takes the pressure away. You make it, it's great. If you don't, it's fine. You know, just we- enjoy it. Kind of thing. Yeah. He strips the pressure off, and then Charlie does the triple deke, slow motion. I love all of that this time it hits the post and goes in
0: so you don't have to worry about the uh, falling into overtime
1: you don't have to worry about overtime it is done great music kicks in and then everyone celebrates Hans says he's really proud of Gordon, Gordon kisses Mrs Conway huge trophy and we fall to the final scene that Gordon is on the bus or Gordon is about to get on the bus to go to his tryout the kids are lined up they all say like a line each back to him of things that he's said soft hands cake eater so on and so forth it's a nice way to wrap up the film kisses Charlie's mum in front of the whole team and her son because you know father and then then he gets on the bus and says I'll see you later and then he comes back and says hey ducks whatever happens I'll see you next year we've got a title to defend everyone cheers and That's the mighty. The mighty Dax is done. So, Dom, number one down. But let's talk about our judgments. Who's your favorite performer of the cast?
0: Okay, so my favorite of all the cast, I think, one that really stands out for me is probably Charlie. Y- you know, he's uh, he's trying to be. He's trying to grow up. He's trying to be that role model. He's trying to be. Um, a good kid. He's trying to be a good sportsman. He tries to be the, f- the friend. He tries to be cool, but he also tries to have a laugh. And he gets himself into a bit of trouble at school with that the whole little fight and then in detention. And but it all works out at the end. And I think he is kind of the linchpin, isn't he? Not not just for the team, but for his mom and Bombay and stuff. That so he's kind of the that middleman linchpin that just sort of seems to make things happen without really doing a massive amount you know he's only got to say one thing or be a bit positive and he's kind of that character and I think i probably prefer him over Bombay because like like I said earlier <laughs> a couple of times I'm not really a fan of, of the character of Bombay throughout this so yeah I think I'm going to pick Charlie 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 Conway
1: that's a good choice and obviously Joshua Jackson went on to and is continuing to have a really successful career yeah it
0: did is it Fringe?
1: Fringe, yeah. He was in Dawson's Creek fringe, growing up. Yeah, and then yeah. he's in...
0: He's done a few other bits as well, hasn't he? But yeah, like...
1: film and TV. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about yourself? Who's the best cast member for you in this thing?
1: So sort of growing up, I would have probably chosen... Probably would have chosen like Adam Banks out of like people that I liked. And like Averman I, I really liked and Goldberg. But if looking at it from... My, you know an adult perspective my favorite performer would have to be lane smith i think he is great in that role i love his line delivery sometimes i just hear some of those lines in my head <laughs> uh, i love it i think he's perfect in that role and i love him in everything i've seen him in so uh, i'd say lane smith
0: and i think if we were choosing like a secondary cast he would be top of that list
1: yeah, because I guess he's not he's not in the film. Uh, he probably feels like he's in the film more than you, than he actually is because he's in the prologue that they keep flashing back to. Yeah, and then he's just sort of in some of those key game moments. Yeah, what's your favourite scene?
0: Uh, my favourite scene is where they tie Goldberg to the posts uh, and then they start flicking all the pucks at him, and then they all disappear and go out and have fun and he's still attached to the post and and still attached to the car and he sort of drags it along like trying to get off the ice. going guys guys you know haha joke's over kind of thing that's that's one of my favourite bits what's your favourite scene
1: I like we talked a lot about it earlier but the confrontation between Bombay and Riley and Bombay hey Bombay I'm talking to you son because they that ties back later he tries to do that to Charlie Hey, I'm talking to you, son. Like, he's trying to be Riley, but he can't, he can't be like that. But I love the, you're never worse. <laughs> that is my favourite.
0: It's a great line. Uh, like we said earlier, really well delivered.
1: And what do you think about the music?
0: Again, there's another one where I didn't really pay much attention to the music. I don't know why. It just didn't really resonate with me. So other than your fantastic singing, that song where they're watching the uh, hockey game. I didn't really pay that much attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're never going to grow up, are we? No,
3: it's fantastic. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. (laughs) Um,
1: Um, um, Okay. Would you recommend this film to a friend? Yes.
0: I would get someone to watch this. But if you haven't seen this then you've missed out on one of the important films of the 90s important kind of kids films but it has like some decent messages in it so yeah yeah get people to watch it or if if someone on you has got got kids or like little ones that are growing up or getting to that age that like we were when we watched it, if they're 7, 8 or like that area then I'd be like yeah watch this film give that a go
1: well, besides like the Oreo line and a couple other you know bits soft hands <laughs> yeah there's not, like, much that's too dated besides those parts. Like, it's reasonably safe, I'd imagine, to watch with kids. Would I recommend it to someone? For sure. What would you rate it out of 10, subjectively and objectively?
0: Subjectively, I would probably have to agree with IMDb. and mm. Give it 6.5. Scrap all of that. I might have to disagree slightly with IMDb. I, mean, I I would probably give it a seven point five. I think as a Disney film, it's got a lot of the you know characteristics of a of a great film where you've got that underdog story, and you've got someone who's very sure of themselves and believes in themselves a lot, even though they've had that one miss in their life, and you know it ties in with the death of their father, and he's not a good person. He's he isn't is he? But. Then does eventually become a you know a bit of a lighter character and and someone that you can you know you might be able to learn to like. I don't like it, but it doesn't mean you don't have to. <laughs> yes, um, and and it is is you know quite a heartfelt film, but there's a lot of great comedy moments in it. The kids are great in it, you, you know, and Matt who we spoke to earlier is is great in it and is funny in in his lines, probably the most memorable. So
1: so so yeah. your objective rating was 7.5 Wolfstein So that was your objective view is a 7.5 what is your subjective opinion?
0: I'm going to give it an 8.5. I think it it reminds me of what we were saying with Matt earlier like playing hockey in the back garden even though like we we're dreadful and it was more about battering each other with sticks than actually playing for any sort of goal or gain. But we always had fun and I like the film and it's that nice sort of Christmassy Sunday afternoon kind of relaxed. It's on telly all the time, just just going to watch it. It's easy viewing and yeah, I, I really enjoy the film. What about yourself? Like, what are your ratings for it?
1: Objectively, I think I would give it a seven. I think is is probably fair. And then subjectively, I'd probably give it like nine i would give it the 10 uh but d2 is like my was my jam and that's probably like my subjective nostalgic 10 but i i really do love this film so we'll now cut to matt who will give his judgments and and summary of the film and what it meant to him and what it means to others so enjoy how would you rate the film subjectively and objectively? Like, as in looking back on the film now, out of 10, what would you, how would
2: you view it? Well, definitely better than 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you guys, you guys have heard it like, uh, and that I'll just reiterate that, like, uh, I mean, I think the film, the reason why it, it survives is because of it touches, like you said, all those different colors, you know, we, you know, you can relate most of us who are now in the status of being as the adult figure we can relate looking back being as a kid and now being in a way like a the the age of a gordon you know where you're looking at like hey what did i am i still for the love and the joy of what i do do i am i living that you know or am i this other thing you know so i feel like um it's amazing how many times I, I go around and I'll hear people say like, they they share this movie with their kids, you know? Um, and if you think about it, that's a phenomenon because I don't know about anything else today, seven, eight year olds, nine year olds, you know, they like them. They'll be like, they like this movie and it's old. There's no con it's like something that doesn't exist in the last six months. It's old. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you think about like there's children today that I, I am mean, I'll sit and I'll talk with them and they're like um and they this movie means something to them so like that's a phenomenon man so regardless of what you know Rotten Tomatoes or anything says it's and I you know the fact is it's touched a, a nerve around the world I mean I know people in Australia uh that love this movie people that um in Sweden I lived in Sweden for a little while and, and who love this movie and it's not so, you know? So I, uh, um, I think that the proof is in the pudding and that speaks for itself because like you think about it, who doesn't relate, who doesn't, um, relate to being counted out, um, and then, uh, coming together to beat the Hawks. Right. And then who doesn't relate to maybe, uh, going, wait a second. I need to, uh, i i need to reclaim this thing that uh like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when when gordon puts on his skates and skates again you know Mm.
1: yeah nice moment brings it back round i guess i just have two two questions for you matt before before we let you go the first one being do you have any comment or any involvement or anything that we can leak as an exclusive on our podcast about the reboot of the mighty duck series on Disney plus?
2: Well, I know is, uh, that they're, they're, they're doing it and they have everything like modeled out and written. And it's all about, um, another generation. And I know that Emilio's in it. I know Gordon's, you know, it's all hinged on him. And I do know that they're, um, it has to do with a lot of uh what's going on in our world with uh like girl power like and this shift in our society which is which I think is really great and rings true to what the movie's really about, you know which is like um in a way beating the hawks so the fact that like um that it has a lot to do with like women hockey and 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 girls and all that stuff I think is really great and I can't wait to see it i don't I know as much as you guys. And uh, they keep this stuff really under wraps because of um, what it would mean if something got leaked out. So that's as much as I know.
1: We would feel robbed if we didn't see an Avon and Cameo. So we'll still keep our fingers crossed for that. And then my final question anyway would be, in the future, down the line on this podcast, if we ever get to the Mighty Ducks 2, can we count you in for a, for a return visit?
2: Oh, heck yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can count on it. I would definitely do that. Yeah, definitely count on that.
1: It's been awesome speaking to you. Is strange? I'll be quite overwhelmed later when I realize that we just spoke to you for like the last hour or so. So thank you very much for your time.
2: Oh man, my pleasure. This has been a hoot to, uh, it's also really great to talk uh, when I can tell like that you guys have like you know really considered this and asked some great questions so it's really makes it more fun to do
0: thank you very much and, and thank you so much for your time and it has been you know great to to talk to you and feel like we've met you
2: yeah i'll see you in your backyard or uh and then if this uh um coronavirus doesn't shut everything down um i'm supposed to be in telford in april for uh, a comic-con there so if that happens
1: i'll let you know that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah definitely we can uh we can do a live episode. So.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So um, but let's uh let's keep our fingers crossed and and get through these next couple of months of uh, what could be a little troublesome around
1: places. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank thank you very much. Take care, and we'll we we'll speak soon. All the best. Oh, my pleasure. We're really grateful to have had Matt on the podcast. It was really great fun. Our first time having a guest, and he, he was brilliant. And hopefully we can have Matt back again later down the line when we cover D2 and probably eventually D3. But for right now, Dom, you did the deep dive into Mighty Ducks. So it is now your turn to let me and our listeners know what I will be deep diving into for our next episode. Okay, so
0: our next film that I would
1: like you to deep dive into Came
0: out in nineteen ninety-five. Okay. And it's going to be the first animated film that we're covering. Wow. On the podcast. It is Toy Story. Classic. So I would like you to deep dive into Toy Story. You probably get quite a lot out of it, I think. So yeah, look forward to watching Toy Story again and seeing what you've got to say on it.
1: I loved Toy Story. I remember being so excited when it was like coming on to home video and all of that. So yeah, great. I haven't seen the first one in a long time as well. So,
0: and cool. I picked a film that's nice and <laughs> not for the weirdos. And
1: well, there is the next door neighbor. Oh, Sid. <laughs> Sid. <laughs> yeah, classic. Okay, great. Well, that will be our next episode of the podcast. Will be Toy Story. You can follow us on social media.
0: Uh, on Instagram. We are The
1: Mighty 90s. That 90S, And you can see all of our good stuff of what's coming up and pictures of what we've been covering. You can also visit our website, which is www.themighty90s.com. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere you find the podcast. Please help us out. If you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe. If you don't like the podcast, just please hate us in silence and we'd appreciate that. And thank you all for your support. We really enjoy doing this and we appreciate you listening.
0: Yeah, just to reiterate what Simon said, just thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us and um, yeah, give us a rating. And we hope you enjoy it as as much as we do. And We know that we, we have a laugh with it and we hope you do too.
1: So thank you, and we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time. Be gentle with us.
1: Wear gloves.